I, I started off with a left field, and then I started kind of getting bigger, and I was like, I can move quick. So I was like, everybody tried me out at catcher, and I kind of started catching until I stopped playing baseball until my uh, junior high school. Catcher is a very demanding position. Uh, yeah, I did it exactly once for the last three innings of a game, and I was wiped out. Yeah, so I remember running around the field with just my uh, kitchen gear on, just running around the field just so I can like be in shape. Yeah, I, I have great respect for catchers. Did it exactly once for three innings. And yeah. was struggling to get to those three innings. The and ball gets on way faster than you're, yeah. you're thinking you can do. And like it's when you're the batter's box, you have a, you have a slightly different view of the yeah. ball coming out of the, the pitcher's hands. It'll be a while. Learn to <coughs> excuse me. Learn to pick it up. That's so why I, I look bad. I'm not even going to lie. Of course, first couple of innings were ugly. I had about three or four pass balls. Uh-huh. Just awful. I, I have great respect uh, for catchers, man. Yeah, I was about to say, probably, you probably wouldn't catch too much longer after that one. I, I, I'll put it this way. I mean, it, it was a late in the floor. They just asked for volunteers. It's like, what the heck? I'll try it. Never yeah. again. Never yeah. again. I'll I'll play I'll I played center and second base and you know could get by at other positions, but yes, catch that's that's a man's position. I'll, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> that's a tough way to go. It is. Now what attracted you to playing catcher? Uh, I really don't. Uh, I had a homeboy that called. He was pretty good, and I was like, I'm gonna try catching too. And I was I was I was, I was pretty good myself, but I wasn't as good as him. But I just started catching after him. Like once he left, so I just uh. Start catching and just I just started liking it. Okay. Now you started what at six? How old were you when you started first playing baseball? When I started playing baseball? Mm-hmm. Uh I was four. Four? Yeah, I started at four. <laughs> we got T oh, like, ball <laughs> We got a T ball league. You start your kids at like four or five. And that's when I started playing baseball. I started playing football at age seven. Hmm. Oh, well, so many years later, you were practically a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And who started you in football? Uh, my mother. Because, uh, like I said, my uh, my uncles were pretty good at football, so that's what made me want to play Football, but I had to like I had to wait for like a few years to start playing. So that's when I started. That's why I decided to play baseball, just something to keep me active. Okay. And baseball was your favorite at first. It sounds like. Yeah, until I started playing football, it was pretty physical, and I was like, I like this physical stuff. I can do this. Okay. And when you first started playing football, what positions were you playing? My first year playing football when I was seven, my first position was a uh, left guard. Oh. Yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I right. I was a left guard. Well, I mean, that's the Kevin Fanica position, right? There's been some great left guards in the history of the game. Uh, I'm going to yeah. open it up, co-host Kofi, to a question he might have for one 
Antonius, a.k.a. T, though he doesn't know how he came to be called T, Sims. Sophie, do you have any questions you want to hit him with? I'll take that as a no, and I will proceed. So you start playing football. You start at left guard. Now, eventually, somebody figures out you should play some other position. When do they start moving you around? Uh, they make my second year playing football. Um, I knew this guy through, like, he seen me play. He knew, I, I think you got some talent, so he decided to put me at running back. So from, like, eight years old until I started playing middle school ball, I played running back. And then I started playing linebacker from middle school until, uh, like, 10th grade. And then from 11th grade until now, I've been at DN. Okay. Got it. So tell me about who was a running back. Obviously, when you're, especially in, like, youth league, that's a position everybody wants to play. Yeah. How did you, how did you do, and what were some of the things you learned from being a running back? Uh, I mean, I was a decent running back. I guess I was big, so but I could move for my size, so I was a pretty good running back. But I, I learned a lot of stuff from, like, being a running back and then being, now being on the defense side of the ball, like, how I can look at running backs and how I can read on where they're going to go or what they're about to do or what they how they go try to block me or something like that or what they're about to try to go block. Okay, so you said you, you actually started playing defense at what age? Uh, In um. In uh, middle school, in eighth or seventh grade. Ah. Okay. And so, so you were in seventh grade. Where did you go for seventh grade? What school was that? Uh, I went to Indian Creek Middle School. Okay. And did you have any teammates that later went on from that middle school to, you know, to play football in college? Uh, yeah, I got a few. Uh, Dante Blackman, Sheldon Rankins, and Shaquille Huff, and Blake Rouse. Wait, did you say Dante Blackman? Yeah, Dante Blackman. Oh, no, okay. I'm Dante Blackman. I'm not bad. I'm thinking about uh, high school. No, 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 that's high school. But any, okay. any, any, I, yeah, yeah, not bad. Well, I, I, I've had the pleasure of having Dante Blackman on, and he went to Kennesaw State and uh, was, I think, a terrific defensive back in his time at Kennesaw. Yeah, we all played – well, we played at high school together, not uh, middle school. Me and him and Sheldon and Sheridan played at high school together. Okay. And did you miss running back at all, or, or did you were you got it just always felt in your heart and soul that you were meant to be on the defensive side? Uh, I mean, I did because, you know, like running backs get all the glory and stuff. But, yep. I mean, I like defense because, I mean, I like just – I like getting after the ball, you know what I'm saying? Once I get to play, and then I, I know I can defeat the dude in front of me. I can get past the man. I just like defense because I guess it's, I guess you can just play like I ain't gonna say freely, but like you don't have to be so much. You don't have to worry about blocking your own like certain dudes like you do on offense. Right. Well, you're left a little bit more to your own talent and creativity because you're playing a reactive position, right? You yeah. You can't always plot out what's supposed to happen for you on defense. I played exactly. defensive back, and at least in part, that was my joy as well. Even though your D coordinator, DB coach, is going to tell you, hey, you know, be shade inside on this, this down to this, yeah. do this, that. But sometimes a guy would do something he wasn't, quote unquote, supposed to do. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, wait, that wasn't what we practiced. That was yeah, what I was about to say, like, 
Yeah. So now it's just me figuring it out. Yes, sir. When did you first start to hear from schools uh, that you were being recruited to play college ball? Um, uh, what was that? I want to say around like my junior year in high school because Dante and Sheldon and Shaq was older than me, and they was getting all like they was getting a, a lot of attention, so they were seeing me come in. So I kind of got attention off of them, but I had to go. I went to JUCO first and went to Georgia Military. And then right. I, um, I started, but I started getting attention. Turned out players. Jeez. Man, I know that a couple of the gathers just went there. I know a bunch of great running backs have gone. There. I mean, that's. Well, tell me about the staff there. I mean, that's it. Always starts with the staff. What was the staff like at Georgia Military? You said the staff. Yeah, like the coaching staff. What were they like? Yeah, the coaching staff. Um, I mean, like a, I guess you could say like a college coaching staff. I mean, they was tough, but they was they was really like my D line coach. He was a good coach. I really I, I liked the guy because like he was straight up with me. He always kept it real. And when I first moved, because I played fullback when I first got to GMC, then my second year I moved over to defense. And he came to me. He was like, "I know you got talent, and I'm gonna get you a scholarship." And then I balled out that spring, and he got me my first scholarship to uh, Southern Miss that spring or well, that summer. Now, what was that coach's name? Uh, coach Hill, Coach Brian Hill. George Military. I think he's uh, with Noah Ryan right now. Got it, got it. Yeah, now that, like I said, they have a great program, and they have a great reputation. And every uh-huh. year, some five-star and a couple of four-stars seem to come out of that school. It's a good school. It, it, it taught, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I went there out of high school. It taught me mm-hmm. a lot, because like, it did some stuff for me that I kind of think I needed and took with me to App State. Okay. Now, was it academics or was it to develop more as a player or a combination? What was it that made you it was, that? I about to say it really was everything, academics, player, person. Because, like, I was in the middle, like, the cadet program, so, like, you was getting, like, the military structure and doing football and class. So I liked it. I think it was a good thing for me. And then physically you changed. Uh, tell people how much – you changed physically from the time you got there to the time you left. Uh, I don't. Mm, I mean, I got strong. I mean, I got stronger. I mean, I came in at GMC probably around, uh, probably around like two seventy. I left probably like two seventy five. But it changed when yeah. I got out. Yeah. Right. So, but but you you changed the composition of your body. Even though your, your weight didn't change that much, you clearly yeah. had, you know. Moved where the weight was on your person, I guess is what I was yeah. trying to, to go for, that you clearly had, had you built yourself a little bit differently. Yeah, yes, sir. Because, I mean, you had lifted weights in high school, but it was how different was the weight room going from your high school to Georgia military? Oh, uh, not too much different. Our, our high school weight program was, it was pretty tough. I ain't going to lie. Because I was surprised. I was like, man, they say college harder than this. I can't believe it. But our high school program was pretty tough. Like, our summer workouts and conditioning and stuff was probably a, a little bit less than what we were doing. At, we didn't we didn't run as much as we did at GMC. We ran a lot at GMC. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. We ran now, a lot. That, did that help you also in terms of the discipline and the conditioning? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, going in that Millageville heat, 
they they're not you can run forever in that, you can run it anywhere really. Okay. Well that's good to know. So moving forward, you had a chance to develop yourself physically, as you said. You know, you're stronger mm-hmm. than you were before, uh, mentally and physically. And now you're hearing from you said you heard from Southern Miss first. Who are some of the other schools that got into your recruitment process? Um, Southern Miss. I had Middle Tennessee, and then who else? Uh, Murray State, App State came, and then who else? I think I had like one or two other schools. That was it. Uh, Memphis. I had Memphis coming like last minute and offered me a scholarship. Oh, okay. Got it. And did you take some visits at that point to figure out what school might be a good fit for you? Uh, yeah, I only took uh, two visits. I took a visit to uh, Kennesaw State and App State. Ah, okay. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so if you'd gone to Kennesaw, you and Dante would have been reunited. Uh, yeah. Tell me about the two programs. How did they compare in your mind? What 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 about them was similar and what about them was different to you? Uh, I, didn't you I, didn't hear the, I didn't understand the question. I hear what you said. No, oh, no problem. I was saying... Tell me about those two programs in your mind. How were they similar, and how were they different? These two programs. Uh, between App and Kennesaw. Yes, between Appalachian State and Kennesaw. Correct. Um, at the time when I was recruited by Kennesaw, that's when they was just uh, starting a football program, and I didn't really too much. I didn't know too much about them. So I mean, they had, everything they had was low angle. Like it was great. Like I knew they would have a good program, but I just didn't want to go nowhere when they were starting up a program. But then App State. They got tradition, and like it's it's a great place, and like it's beautiful, and they all like the coaches treat you like family. Right. Well, one of the things I can definitely say about Appalachian State, I mean, they have they've had Hall of Fame coaches. I mean, Coach Moore. Yeah, that's more people. That's one of the great coaches. Uh, to my mind, in the last 30 or so years, he's in the top, you know, 10 to 15 coaches that we've seen come down Pike. Uh, now, did you did you did you get close to him at all? No, I see. Uh, I came in with Coach Satterfield. I met right. Coach Moore probably twice. Okay. Yeah, I knew he was still kind of around once he retired. Yeah, I was a hit around, but I didn't really see him often. Got it. And of course, as you know, Coach Satterfield, the fruit fell not far from the tree. Uh, I'm sure you heard plenty of Coach Moore's stories from your from Coach Satterfield. Yeah, I hear I heard it from Coach uh, Satterfield. I heard it from like former players that I when I came in because they knew him or they had him as a coach before Satterfield got there. So they just told me how great he was and how good of a coach he was. And I just I I wouldn't mind got to play a season up on him just yeah you know, how good of a coach he was. Yeah, I can. I can assure you. And, of course, amongst his, you know, he's produced a lot of great players. And, of course, Daniel Jeremiah, who now has made his way from playing to scouting to being in, you know, the sports media, all the yes, people sir. you'll ever talk to ever about Coach Moore will have nothing but good things to say about Yeah, yes, yeah. So you, you find your way all the way to the mountains right there. You know, the beautiful. It is beautiful. That is God's country. Yes. You like hunting, you like fishing, you like Hiking, you know, that's a good place to be. What was it like, just the atmosphere playing out there in Appalachian State? 
Oh man, the atmosphere was it was it was love and I ain't gonna lie. That's what really like that's what that's what really like kinda uh made me sign because I was like once I like seen the game and like seeing how the atmosphere was like every game day and like it was crazy. Like even like we might not have like a hundred thousand, we'd have thirty thousand strong every Saturday and it, I, it would be loud and it would be rocking. I was gonna say it may not have been a hundred thousand to your eyes, but to your ears yeah. it was a thousand. To my ears it, it was sounding like it. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you. That was one of the loudest places. I've been there a couple of times. And yeah. just for pure noise, I mean, they're up there with, I don't care, Nebraska, Ohio State, the swamp at night. I mean, name any place you want to name. They're top five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Top five, top ten. I mean, that is a loud place. So you find you find a place that you where you belong. What was your welcome to college football moment? What was the thing that woke you up to the fact that you mean you've been to Georgia Military College, which is pretty pretty serious business on, on its own. You've been uh, at a pretty competitive high school playing against really good players, but what was the moment that really made you realize this is something a little different? Uh, mm, probably at first practice when I went against uh, Parker Collins. I really seen like that was really like my really first offensive lineman. I seen that was like you know, it was like crazy. Now what, he what really he, what, he, what happened? The way he came off the ball so hard, I like I knew like cause we didn't. I was a new come in JUCO transfer, and he was like he was like he was a guy on the old line that everybody knew was crazy. So I didn't really know him, and like we went against each other, and like the way he came out, I was like all right. Say so like he came out with. He was trying to hurt me. I was like, all right. So that was my welcome to App State because, like, he didn't, he, <laughs> he didn't take, take it easy on me. Well, when you're new, anyway, when you're the new guy any place, they're going to test you, as I'm sure you Yeah. Yeah, he, he tested me. Now, did the two of you later, you know, later become cool and talk and things like that? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, me and Parker still cool now. Actually, I, him and going against him and Kobe and like all our still alignment actually got me better. We actually got our, like we got each other better. So like I know going against them every week and then have to go against the offensive lineman I played against made me better because I know the kind of how good they were. And who were the guys there that you got closest? Uh, you know, who was your I don't know, click your group. Who were the guys that you hung with the most when you got that? Uh, the guys I came in with from JUCO, uh, Desmarie, Zylitman, and uh, Mondo Williams. That was when I first got the app. But then also, uh, when I first got the app, John Law, I stayed with John Law because he, he welcomed me there too. And Malachi Jones. Okay. And so you're growing as a person, obviously. You're growing as a player. Yeah. On the coaching staff, who was the person that maybe helped you the most to develop? Who was the person that helped you to go from, a, as you said, a guy coming from a JUCO, a good JUCO, I mean, one of the better ones in the country, but to take that jump to being a guy who's going to compete at the top level of NCAA football? Um, I got it. My defensive line coach, he, uh, like, he kept telling me, he was like, you're good, but he was like, you can be so much better, and he just really just made me a better player, and he made me get to my potential. He knew what I can get. Okay, and and who once again, you know, shout him out. Who is your who is the coach? Who is oh, that yeah, line? Oh, coach Coach Ivy. He the uh, he the defensive line coach. He the uh, assistant coach now at uh, App State. Love the guy. Got it. 
yes, and deservedly so. Um, once again, one of those guys that I think he might someday be a head coach someplace. He's yeah. very de- very detail oriented, as I'm sure you could attest. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, most definitely. That's why I, that's why I love him. Like he makes sure that you're doing everything right, and he just always make like he's always trying to make sure you're perfecting your craft. And to that end, talking about perfecting your craft, a lot of people. Once again, it is a reactive position. People think that you just you're just big and strong and just go out and just throw people around and yeah. things like that. They don't understand how much film study and technique matter. So talk about your progression from high school to junior college to, to Appalachian State. What were the things you learned about film study and about technique that have allowed you to become such a dangerous man as a pass rusher? Uh, I learned a lot. I learned you you got to stay in the film room because, like, Studying your opponent will all like that'll give you the like the upper hand and like going into that game, you really can see what he do and like what's his weaknesses and what he's great at. So I learned from high school to JUCO to App State. I learned you got to like I you got to stay in the film room. This is like the really like the major thing I learned. And the next thing, uh, taking care of my body. The older you get, got it. So let's let's stay on the film room thing for a second. Tell me about a play that you've made in your career that you made because of something you spotted. It could be a tendency, a call, an audible, a shift, something. Something you knew was coming. Something that you, you could see based on something that you found in film study. Oh, uh, something I always seen like every week. Uh, probably offensive line feet. That's one thing I look at. The way they body position is another way. Like you can tell by their body language how they go, which way they go move. But you also got some good offensive linemen that you can uh, they don't they can just really look the same the whole time. So that's when you just got to be. That's when you really got to look at to like what they like. It's something they'll lean. And you can just tell the way they about to go or what they about to do. So tell me about a play that you made. You know, something maybe it could be a, a game changing play, but a play that you made because of something you had spotted. In terms of uh, twenty, it was the twenty sixteen season, the last game against New Mexico State. And I know I, when I was watching film, I was looking at uh, I knew that they kept shifting or they kept motioning over like this little uh, slot receiver. And every time they did it, they was either like giving it to them or they were, like running an option out of it. So I know they did it one time. They did it one time before, and I stopped it. And I was like, they're gonna do it again. But this time, I had a, I just knew this time they would keep it. So. I just I remember in film I remember them like doing it so they kept it and I ended up making that big tackle for a lot. I had like it was back to back plays. I had two like the first two tackles of the game from uh from watching from them doing them two plays back to back. Yeah, and they have uh, a lot of terrifically that's a very interesting team because they run a an interesting yeah. version of that you see a lot you see a lot of different kinds of offenses in your career from oh, teams man. that Spread them and shred them to teams that just want to yeah. run the ball at literally all day long. Tell me yeah. about your approach to playing the run and obviously, as you say, earning the right to pass the to pass rush. Uh, when a team like that that likes to cut and influence mm-hmm. you, sucker you, how do you approach playing option teams like that? Uh, you really just that's the, you work on your hands. Like your hands. Is like probably number one thing because like they come in out cut and that's what the first thing is you gonna shoot and make sure their hands you get them like get their body off you and make sure they don't cut you and like 
your hands are going to be where you got to go. Like, working on your hands all that week and working on blocking the cut and, like, keeping your eyes, like, on the crown of the helmet or, like, the or shoulder pad. Got it. And then tell me about, as you said, you got to face some pretty darn good pass blockers in your career. When you're facing a guy who really is strong and fast and has a good technique as a pass, pass blocker, what do you have to do to still beat a guy because, you know, once again, you get to the next level. You get in the NFL, it's an all-star game every game. Everybody you face was the best. They were all Americans. They were all conference. They were guys who jerseys are retired at their high schools and stuff like that. What do you yeah. do when you face a guy who is – I mean, these, these are great players you're going to be facing every week from this point forward. Yeah. So when a guy's big, strong, and fast, he's got good technique, what do you have to do to still beat that guy? Uh, Like, how do I work? Um, all that we put there. All right, what do you have to do, and how do you? Because you can't just out talent everybody anymore. That day is done, Antonius, aka T Sims. So when they, when everybody's got talent, what do you do to get the edge? Hmm, probably uh, my motor. I just try to keep going. Then also, I try to come with different stuff when I'm pass rushing. I probably edge like a few times, and then I try to come up under, or I try to hit with fate too. Just try to throw them off balance and just see if they try to just keep them off, keep them on their uh, toes, so they know what I'm doing. Got it. Who are some of your favorite guys to watch? Who are some of the guys that you you learn from when you watch them rush the pass? Uh, recent people. Uh, I, I be recent. Hey, I'm, I love old school. Go back as far as you want. I was about to say, all right. So recently. It'd probably be Khalil Mack and Von Miller, but uh, probably like my my big guy that I like, um, Lawrence Taylor. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big Lawrence Taylor fan. I like Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, you just okay. You just made some points with me. My my twin cousins Tori and Tomas went to Lafayette High School with him uh-huh. in uh, yeah in Williamsburg, Virginia. So good job. That was well done. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to see Lawrence Taylor play basketball and football in high school, and I don't think people quite understand. He was he was just different. He was a different cat. He was not yeah. like other. Yeah. Uh, his level of strength for his size—you just don't see that every day. People notice the speed because you can't not you can't miss the speed. But when he put his hands on people, three hundred and ten pound dudes, he would send them flying. Is that I like I was just like when I just watch his highlights and I just watch him play on YouTube and stuff, I just be like that's why when I go out to practice, I try to have a mentality like he had and I try to just like play like he played and just try to be like just have them like motivated the way he plays. So that's how I like motivate myself. When I see him play, I'm like, All right, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing he had going was he had kind of a mean streak. He was kind of got this up. He uh, he liked people having a bad day. When he showed yeah. up, he like not yeah. really want to play him. Yes, sir. He, he wanted people to consider quitting. That was kind of his thing. Like, maybe football isn't for you. That was his mindset. He wanted you to he, he's that game thinking maybe I should concentrate on something else. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've talked to him a little bit, and like I said, I have two cousins that played ball with him. He's he comes to, like, charity golf tournaments in my hometown. I grew up in Virginia Beach. And yeah. uh, he's just – he was, like I said, I've seen some of his high school tape. 
And it's, it's comical. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. You could, teams would literally run away from him all day long. He would just chase down plays from behind. It's, yeah, I am about to say, I know he'd be. That's crazy, yeah. He was great. That's why he was great. They would chip him. They would double him. I mean, Von Miller is great. Don't get me wrong. But the difference to me still is Vaughn's good against the run. Don't get me wrong. But Lawrence Taylor was great against the yeah. run. Yeah. <laughs> like, he had no hope to the game. He could cover. He could he rest the passer. He didn't care. Oh, man. So, yeah, you – okay, like I said, you made big points with me. That was a good name. <laughs> Well, since you like guys from my, my, my old hometown, I'll tell you another guy to watch out for, and a guy that I think you have some similarities, share some similarities with. Uh, you could get to that level if you work really hard. Bruce Smith, Booker T. Washington, and I went to Lake Taylor, and that was our big rival until I moved to Virginia Beach when I lived in Norfolk. That was our big rival. And I remember one time, our varsity, I was on junior varsity at the time, our varsity played Booker T. Washington. He and he had a teammate named Henry Plug Melton, who's the other guy. They had these two yeah. kind of fat guys. I mean, because Bruce leaned up later. He lost weight after he got out of Virginia Tech, but he was 300-something pounds at height. And, mm-hmm. like, sort of reshaped his body later on. Uh, yeah. But he was talented, but even though he was kind of out of shape in high school, nobody could do anything with him. He was just so athletic. Even when he was out of shape, just nothing could be done with him. And then he had a guy named Plug Mountain who was even bigger. I don't know if but they had these two huge D linemen that no one could do anything with. They just wrecked them. They just wrecked them. If they had nobody else on their D line, the two of them alone could have, could have destroyed everything because they were just so powerful and so quick. Yeah, crazy. It is crazy. Watching the great ones, I mean, if you you're, you're, you seem to have a mind for the old school. Now, you can't do all the things that he did because they took away the head flap. But, yeah. you can, but you can basically change that head flap out for maybe a stab move, but David Deacon Jones. Oh, I heard, yeah, I heard about him. Well, just hear about him. Watch. There's, I got to Whatever. Watch. Watch. Such a smart man about rushing the passer. In terms of the smarts, I think he and um, Dwight Freeney. In terms of just intelligence. Oh, yeah, Dwight Freeney. Just for pure intellect about rushing the passer. Knowing... Sometimes they'll sacrifice early in a game, not beating a guy because they know they might beat him with something specific later on. So they'll give him what they think. He'll think that's their best move. Oh, yeah, this is my best move. And then he'll set him up and set him up. And then in a key situation late in the game, he'll come with something off that, setting it up, and then beat him to the inside or beat him a different way. Those guys are so smart about working at alignment. Now, I'm sure you've been talking about, you know, attacking half a man and, so tell me about your favorites. I mean, everyone has a couple of – you have a pretty good repertoire of moves, but what are your favorites? What are the things that you love? Um, my favorite pass rush. Yeah, your favorite pass rush. Probably setting it up feeling coming back under because you can really throw an offensive lineman off with that. Or, ugh, I don't know, because I also like the strong arm, like, like attacking half a man and then extending my arm. Like, you know how Khalil Mack had to extend the arm? 
against um. I'm trying to I be strong on people. I like that too. Yeah, I know some people they're big on stabbing ribs. Some like chopping ribs. Uh, yeah. Some people, you know, some people are are, are really big on that. Now you got to be strong to pull it off with the the great Reggie White and jump together to the hump. We basically throw a guy out of the way. Now you got to yeah, you be in the weight room. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about some of the toughest opponents you faced. Uh, you mentioned some of your teammates that gave you, you know, at least initially gave you some work. Who are yeah. some of the best guys you faced uh, when you've been playing, you know, in either high school, college, junior college, any place? Who are the, the toughest? Um, I know I played against a pretty good uh, offensive tackle from uh, ASA Brooklyn in JUCO. I don't know where he went, but I know I don't know his name, but I know he was pretty good. And also, um, tackle I played against last year from Miami was good, and Wayne from Georgia. That was probably like my biggest. That was, that was probably the best. Oh. Uh, let's spend some time on Isaiah Wynn, because that's a guy that some people think might make us all the way, all into the first round. I had the chance uh, one time in person, a bunch of times on tape. That's a guy who has a lot of, well, first of all, he's strong. I mean, obviously, that's clear and obvious. And he's a good yeah. technician. What are some of the things you notice when you watch him on tape and things you notice when you actually face him in person? Uh, I can say he's smart. He's a good technician. Like, he really, like, and he can, he can move good for his size. And uh, he got some good hands, and he's strong. I'm saying he's strong, too. He's a strong dude. I realized that on the first play. Now, what, what was the first play they ran? Do you remember? Ooh, I don't. I'm sorry, I probably can't remember. I, I don't remember. Okay, no problem. No problem. So let me just check to see if Kofi might have any questions. Kofi, do you have any questions for Mr. Sam? I will continue to post. Hey, I'm sorry, Bill. T. T. What's up, Taylor? Hey, man. Sorry, man. I'm um, shuffling a little bit, man, but I've been. Uh, Listen to you and uh, Bill. Hey, thanks for uh, uh, joining us on the call today. Um, as you see, Mr. Uh, Carroll, uh, he's very well informed, very knowledgeable, and he doesn't stop ask, a- asking questions. So I'm, I'm hoping you still got more answers for him. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so how, how was it, um, App State? App State is a school that I know um, got a few guys that, that went into the league, and uh, you know, it's one of those. I guess mid-major programs. Um, when you got there, uh, what was your, what was one of your goals to, uh, what was one of the, your goals uh, that you set out to accomplish before you left? Uh, like okay, so when I first got there, like, they was talking, we was they was just moving to like they was just moving to the Sun Belt. They was like, hey, when I got there, it was their first year um, of being bowl eligible, so. It was a big goal to uh, build to a bowl game and to win the conference or win some type of jury because I never won no ring or nothing. So when I got it, that was one of the big like one of the biggest goals I wanted to do. And we finally we won our first bowl game this year. This year. Good. How was that? Was that? I'm sorry if you may have answered this before, but how was that experience uh, uh, for you? Uh, it was it was great. It was crazy because like it was our first bowl game win, so. It was the love we was getting, and like the way it felt, it felt good. 
So I, I sum up uh, that you transferred to App State, correct? Uh-huh. Okay, so how was your – sum up your career uh, at Appalachian State. Were you – how did you feel your career um, ended? Um, I mean, I think I had a good career, but the last – I got hurt the last three games, but I just really wish – I mean, I think I could have finished better. I finished decent. I just think I left a lot. I could have did more before I injured myself. Okay, and what injury are you? Uh, is that? And what are you? What are, what are you dealing with right now? Uh, I'm not dealing with it. Uh, it's actually better now, but I tore my tricep. But it's better now. Oh, that's good. Now uh, I believe I heard you uh, inform Bill that you used to play baseball. Yeah, I played baseball. Okay, because uh, a lot of the guys we uh, we bring onto the show, a lot of them have track and basketball. A few have baseball backgrounds, but so when you became a football player, uh-huh. tell me about the transition to becoming a a defensive lineman. Mm, I, it wasn't a big. It wasn't a big uh, like hard transition for me because like I played linebacker and then like. Kind of got like a quick first step, and then like my my, my defensive uh, my first defensive line told me like you got a good you pretty quick, so we can use your quickness at D line. So when I first started off with D line, I was just being quick, and then it really just then I, as I got older and started learning more from different coaches, and that's when everything just started coming together. Okay, so because um, I'm assuming a lot of players go through this, you you play a position in Pop Warner, play a position in Little League. Uh, in middle school and high school, and college is usually where you know um, the smart coaches anyway figure out yeah. where where a guy will excel at. So you saying coming from linebackers to defensive linemen wasn't that much of a transition? Is uh did you um, well, that was embrace in, it? I'm sorry. I was say yeah. When I, well, it was it was in high school when I transferred from a linebacker to GM, but. I, it was like I transferred from fullback to defensive end at, G, at GMC for my first year, the sophomore year. I went from fullback to defensive end. So, just try to put me in the mindset of a college player where uh, you come in as one position. I'm sure you've been studying and practicing in that position, and yeah. then uh, you realize that uh, to get playing time. Uh, you might be better off playing another position for you know per the coach's request. So tell me about how does that feel, and tell me about what are you thinking about when you're transitioning from one position, especially from offensive to a defensive position. Yeah. So uh, all right, yeah. When I first got to GMC, uh, I was they would recruit me at defensive end, and then the running back coach started talking to me. He was like, um, we was like, you just want to check you out and see how you look at fullback. And then so I did a few plays, and he liked the way I looked, and he was like, we want to look at you at fullback. So I played fullback, and my mindset was I was like, you know, I really didn't care. I just wanted to, like, get another opportunity to play, and then I would do whatever to help the team win. So I, I played fullback for that first year, and I I, I liked it, uh, but it's not – I guess it's not something I really want to do. <laughs> So and okay again let's be honest uh, and I'm I'm sure you've been so far so when you made the transition to fullback were in the back of your mind or your 
or your heart telling you, hey, I, I'd rather be playing this position, whatever position it was, defensive lineman, or yeah. you say, you know what, let me, okay, okay. Yeah, I did. Then I, I, I was at first. I was like, I was excited. I was happy. I was like, oh, I'm going to fullback. I was like, yeah, I get to carry the ball, move the wood, catch it a few times a game. And then I started thinking. I was like, we got a lot of talented running backs, and I was like, yeah, I'm probably parking for them most of the time. And I catch the ball probably like once, twice every few games. So I really, once I started playing fullback, it really just started becoming fun. To like the blocking became easier. The way I was blocking people was fun, and the way my running back was scoring. I was like, hey, as long as they're scoring and we winning, I don't even care. Okay. I made it fun. Because I, that's good. That's good, man. And the attitude that you – the attitude and approach you took is what every yeah. coach and teammate uh, would want for a player who has to move from position. Um, unfortunately, in college and, and even in the NFL, so many talented guys and the coach's responsibility is to put the best players at each position. And I do yeah. know in college, you know, you guys may be four or five deep at almost every position, and so it's hard for everyone to get some uh, some some snaps. So for you, um, and I guess for every college player, I know, like, uh, you know, once your academic eligibility, I mean, your scholastic eligibility clock starts, mm-hmm. it's all about making sure you play as much as you can, uh, especially mm-hmm. if you if you want to go to um, – you know, the NFL or, you know, play professionally. So that's something that was in the back of your mind, like, well, if I'm playing fullback, um, this might not help me get to where I want to get to because this is not the position I think I'm best at. Did that ever cross your mind? Or this is not the position I really want to play? It did until I started. I started. I got, like, a letter from somebody, I forgot who, for fullback, and I was like, hey, this fullback thing might not be too bad. So that's when I started thinking. I was like, hey, I could probably do this fullback thing. Forever, so it really was. Like, I okay. did think that I kind of went in my head out. Like, I can do this. Okay, that's good. Okay, so you're fullback, and then you switch back to defensive end, correct? Yes, sir. So in between uh, that transition back to the defensive side of the ball, uh, did you have to? I'm sure a lot of uh, um, the fundamentals were um, secondhand nature to you. But it, was, yeah. did you had to relearn. Did you have to relearn certain aspects of that position oh, yeah. again? Uh, yeah, I definitely did. Especially how like our defensive line coach wanted us to do certain stuff, and like how I like learned from like the way we ran, the way he made us run and do all stuff at uh GMC, and the way I learned before was two different things. So like I was learning holding something new when I moved defense. Okay. All right, so we're back at defensive end, uh, and I'm sure in the back of your mind you're like, I'm going to bust my butt because I don't, I don't want to get switched to another position. So uh, from that point, um, what did you what did you do as far as um, preparation-wise to better yourself as a defensive lineman? Oh, uh, work. Because defensive line, at GMC, there's a lot of talent down there, so – you got to work that every day. So that's when I was like, my, that's that mindset you have to get. The, you got you to gotta work hard in the mix, man, in front of you just to, like, the play. So I was just working and trying to be best. Like, everything I did, I just wanted to do great so I can play and get some playing time. So 
did you have to – did the coaches advise you or were you just self-motivated? Like, were you advised to add some bulk? Would you advise, was you advised to uh, work on your technique? Were you advised to, um, you know, work on the, uh, on um, on film study? Was was anyone um, advising you to do these things, or did you just take it upon yourself to, to uh, improve your uh, your skill set? Uh, it was really like at GMC, like you go in, like you go through that military stuff. You like really got like a little clique, like your boys that you be with. So we really like motivate each other when we was down there. So we was always working and like everybody just trying to be great at everything we did while we was down there. Everybody trying to work and get that scholarship that we really wanted. So that scholarship really made you want to work even harder. Um, Bill and I. Uh... Ironically, we were just talking about uh, pass rushers. Yes, I mean literally yesterday, uh, and um, we were talking. I was asking him about who you know, because we we consider ourselves a, a draft draft Knicks. Is that correct correct term, uh, Bill? <laughs> uh, so we consider that, ourselves that, draft Knicks. Whatever term. Okay, so you know, there's a lot of people with an opinion about players coming from college to the pros and how they project. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the criticism, or, or I'll say, yeah, I'll say a lot of the judgment isn't warranted, and, of course, no one knows how a player is going to end up. But I say all that yeah. to say, uh, so, I, so Bill was telling me about, uh, you know, certain things that a defensive lineman, defensive end does. So I asked him, I said, hey, Bill, uh, so who came out that didn't need to work on, because I always hear they need to they need to improve their arsenal of pass rush moves. Like I've heard that line so many times. So, uh, yeah. so Bill gave me a couple names. So with that said, um, what do you think is one of your strongest moves, and what is something that you think you need to add to your pass rush repertoire? Um, my per- probably my bend the way I bend around the corner, and it's like I try to use my speed. Well, I use my speed to bend, and my hands are like. I quit this on my hands and speed. But I, w- I need to probably add probably like a, a better second move, like like uh, going up field and coming up under. I mean, I can do it, but I think it, I can be more crisp with it. It'll be more lethal. Now, when you said that, um, mm-hmm. does, what does what do you do to get to that point? Is it just work on that move or is there anything else you add you know, as far as, like, other physical activities. Uh, for, for instance, I know a lot of defensive linemen uh, now, the real good, uh, something that they're doing a lot of is yoga, especially uh, I was, you've been I was, I was, You took the word, I was just about to say that. You, when you said, when you asked me what do I, like, besides, I was just about to say flexibility and, like, keeping yourself right. Like, that's what's really going to get me or get you to doing what you want to do on the field, take care of your body. Okay, then what about because um, a lot of the hand hand uh, the pass rush moves are dependent upon hand placement and and punch. So yeah. is there anything that you do specifically outside of just on the field, like anything outside of the field that you do to work over that as well? He has a question to you. Okay, basically all I was asking. You, I'm sorry. Uh, he basically was asking you, like, do you are you like involved in any hand-to-hand combat uh, programs and mixed martial arts, anything that, you know, can help you with your upper body and hand movement, hand quickness, and power? 
No, nah, but I, I wish I had something like that. But the only thing I uh, really do for my, my hand quickness and uh, stuff is I get, like, my teammate will work out and stuff. We'll do, like, some like some hand, like, drills that we learned or we did before that will get our hands quicker. Okay. All right. Um, tell me about a game that uh, you just felt unstoppable uh, and uh, I guess you kind of felt sorry for the offensive lineman because you're going to have to make an example out of someone at the next level. So tell me about yeah. a game where you felt like you were unstoppable and, uh, yeah, man, that you just totally dominated. You felt good. Like, you felt great. Like the best game you ever played. Is there, is there a game that you can you can tell me about? Yeah. Oh, uh, I feel probably – It'll probably be the either the UMass game or the Idaho game, because I know because both of those games I had like I think I had two and a half sacks, three sacks in those games, and I know I you know I'm gonna have to go to the Idaho game because the whole game I just felt like I was just dominating the offensive line because like I know I was just reading them of the stuff they were trying to do, cause I was looking at them on film, so I, they was really giving away everything they were about to do, and then the offensive lineman was setting back. He wasn't fast enough to set back. So I was really just dominating him the whole game. So that whole game I felt dominant. I just felt like I was, I felt like I was a big factor. Now, um when you have a game like that, mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, I'm sure you want to um build off that off that momentum. So what did you take from that game? Why do you think you were so successful in that game? And um uh, what 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 worked for the future games, and that what worked for you in that game that you were able to have success with in the games afterwards? Um, I guess the the way I prepare, cause I just try to prepare all week to like go hard and just try to like grind hard and keep that high motor all day in practice, like kind of like dog yourself so in the game you ain't no tired. So that's what I just try to do, and like just like. At like the opponent in front of me all week until I go against him this Saturday. Okay. So I, I've never played college football, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I, um, you know, I've studied a lot of college players, scouted a lot of college players. And you hear about habits, uh, you know, and what makes good people good, what makes great people great, and what mm-hmm. makes okay players okay. So are you saying that? Keeping that momentum, that high energy during practice, is effective mm-hmm. and uh, it translates to the field. Oh, most definitely does. Cause like, I guess that coaches always say like the way you practice, the way you play. So if you practice so slow and sluggish, you really go play like that in the game. So and the way like I kept like I was just like I felt like I was dogging myself in practice, and like every time I was doing it during the week, I just, I have a good game that Saturday. So I just felt like that was a a big part in the while I was that successful, so I just kept going. I just had to keep doing it. Okay. Uh, when's your uh, pro day? Uh, March 27th. Okay. That's good. Um, what, and where are you working out at right now? Uh, school and in Charlotte at Architect Sports. Oh, Architect. Ar- architect, Architect. Yeah, I think I'm familiar with them. Okay. Yeah. Are they uh, connected with Exos? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. 
I never, I don't, okay. I never asked. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. So, what have you been um, focusing on while you prepare for the pro day? Uh, really flexibility and basically, basically, hands, feet, come quicker, faster. Always gonna be better than that, and just try to be right. But the main thing, really, right now, is probably my like flexibility. Yeah. I got. Yeah, I'm just getting my flexibility like better. Yeah, man, that been around the corner. I mean, because, I mean, you, as you know, offensive linemen, I mean, there are, a lot of them are very, very, very athletic. Uh, yeah. A huge, huge difference from, I would say, at least maybe 10 years ago, if not five. Uh, but um, they're going backwards, so you have an advantage coming forward. And uh, yeah. that yeah, that flexibility, man, is um, it, it goes without saying. So that's good, man. Um, uh, Thanks, man. Uh, Bill, I don't have any more questions right now. Might have some before we conclude uh, because uh, T T is uh, being kind enough to let us keep filling them up with with, with questions. So, Bill, <laughs> that's what we do here. That's what we do. I warn people. I try to give them fair warning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot of guys like to drop twelve or or fifteen or sometimes even more weight in order to put up a certain time. You yeah. play somewhere between about 277 and 270 or so most of your career. What do you weigh right now? Oh, uh, 265. I mainly played around, at App State I played around the 265, 260 range. Okay, so you you were actually lighter there than you were earlier in your career then? Yeah, I was saying when I got the app, that's when my body, like, changed. Like, I dropped some weight. Like, I went from 275 to 265 to 260, 255. And what did that change for you when you played the lighter weight? How was that different? Uh, Probably the way I was moving, I felt way faster. I felt quicker. I felt more swift and felt better on the field. Okay. Now, did you change the way you were lifting or just change your diet or did you do more cardio? What did you do to make those changes? It was a lot, it was a lot more cardio. Okay. Uh, I, I, did, I, was, I changed my diet up, too. I, I think I lost, I forgot, I think I lost like 10 pounds. That was before the 2016 season. Okay, gotcha. And tell me, you mentioned the weight room and how even back to high school, you knew, yeah. You've been explaining how important the weight room was. Tell me about your favorite and, I guess, your least favorite things about being in the weight room, and uh, t- we can talk about maybe some of your personal accomplishments in terms of moving the iron. Uh, probably my least favorite thing about weight room, probably the time, but, I mean, you got to do it. So, I mean, I'm used to it now. But other than that, I just, like, my great, my best thing about the weight room, I guess, being in there, lifting, and that great feeling you have after you lift because, if, like you accomplish, if like you accomplish something, so I just feel great at that lift. Okay, um, so let's talk about some of your 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 accomplishments, of your personal records. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, in terms of hey, right? Uh, the old thing goes, arms for show, but legs for go. Let's let's yeah. start with uh, what 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 do you see as your personal records in terms of? Now, are you a back squat guy, a front squat guy, Scott? You do both. Uh, I said we we do both. Uh, I 
I honestly do not remember like my numbers. I think I, I know my squat was over five hundred though. The last time I did it, and that was okay, a bad so you're, you're a five hundred plus pound squat guy. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, I'm sure you, as you know, there's out, there's running backs out here doing six hundred plus. Now, those oh, yeah. freaks. <laughs> yeah. Um. Those are those are freaks, but they're you know you're about to live in a different world very soon, young man. Okay, so, well, uh, are you a power clean guy? Uh, do you guys? What are some of the other lists you guys do? Or are you? So I know some uh, programs are big on power clean or clean and jerk or deadlift yeah. or what else do you guys do. I would say I know uh, we deadlift and the most I did I deadlift eight thirty and then I power clean like three three like three forty five. Okay, three forty-five is more than respectable. An eight thirty power. I mean, eight thirty uh, deadlift is ridiculous. Uh, anything yeah. over seven hundred is nuts. And uh, okay, um, and you guys now some programs I noticed have gone away from bench. Are you are your program that still believes in benching, or is your program de-emphasize benching? Uh, yeah, we still we still do believe in benching in our program. Okay, uh, what what, is, what would you say is probably your record on the bench? Ugh. I don't. I don't know what was my last bench like three. I three like right at four hundred. Okay. So you're you're more of a long armed guy, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. Now, when you were last measured, uh, what would you would you measure out at when you last measured you? Uh, for my height. Yep. Uh, I think it was like six one, like uh, like right at six one, like probably I can't remember those like six something, a little bit later. Right. Sounds about right. One of the people you reminded me of, Daryl Tapp. Is that a name that was ever brought up to you before? You said Daryl Tapp. Yeah, I don't know if you might be familiar with him up, Virginia Tech, and then made his way off to Seattle and a few other places. No, but that's something you remind me of. Uh-huh. T-A-P-T-A-P. Tap. Uh, you, okay. You're one of those guys, and we mentioned Dwight Freeney a little bit earlier, one of those guys who, even though you're not very tall, you've got some length because you've got mm-hmm. long arms. And you, like I said, I like your technique. Uh, I like how you seem to have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. You're not one of those guys that if somebody takes, you know, takes away your speed rush, you're done for the day. I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen guys yeah. where they, don't, they have a plan B. And yeah. some guys have plan B but no plan C. You know, so yeah. they take away your first two things. Now it's like, well, taffy pull is, uh, you know, this stuff will be, will be here at the line of scrimmage all day. Yes, sir. So for you, when you see a guy that's quick, right, a guy really moves well, you're not going to be able to run around it. Tell mm-hmm. me about your thought process. Because some guys you can't. There's some guys you can flat yeah. out just beat them upfield or, 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 or beat them back across their face. You know you can. You can beat them a little yeah. bit, get them leaning, and then come back across. Or, like right. said, some guys do all that. Some guys you just go around them all day long. When, the seat, when you see a guy you can't do that to, what is, what is your thought process then? What goes through your mind when you realize you, you, you're going to have to really put a plan together? Uh, when I said, dude, I can't do that too, the first thing I come out was like, I'm going to sell him with the speed. That's why he not go. If he watches film on me, I know he's going to watch and see that. He'll try to see. I'm probably, probably try to beat him with speed most of the time. So I'm going to sell him with the speed, and then I'm going to come back 
with some hand stuff and probably come back under and do some quick movement to throw them off. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's fun watching you because I do see you put it together, right? Some guys, even if they're talented, you can tell they're just kind of throwing stuff out there and seeing what happens. And uh-huh. sometimes they, you know, I mean, if you're talented enough, you can get away with them for a while, just kind of going out there and kind of winging it. But you, I see, based maybe it's on film study, maybe it's what you've been told by your coaches, but I see you open up the game, usually with the same couple of moves at first. And then I see you yeah. transitioning. As you said, very often, it's outside, 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 then inside, inside, inside. So now you're just not sure if it's outside or inside, and then sometimes then you'll just bull rush a guy. Once you have yeah. sort of not about who it is coming outside, it's like, oh, right up your face, right over your face, yeah. right up yeah. the middle of your face. And, yeah. and guys aren't used to that because, obviously, you know, you're, you're a guy to move, right? They're not thinking you're going to come straight up their face because – You've been being trying to beat them outside or beat them inside. What is your favorite sack? The sack that you would want people, the, the T-shirt, right? The one you'd have put on your T-shirt. Ooh, one I want to put on the T-shirt? Yes, probably, that one. I want to, I'm going to tell you what, it's probably the one from a Tennessee game. My first, that was my first game back from being hurt in 2015. That was the first, like, that was the first game of the 2016 season, and we almost won the game, but that was just a big set to me to deal with my like my first real set. But so well. Okay, so take me through it. Set it up for me. Give me situation. Down, uh, distance, who you're facing and what what you hit him with. All right, so uh what I don't I can't tell you what it was. Probably it was third down playing against Tennessee. Uh it was this was a Thursday night game going into the twenty sixteen season, it was the beginning of the season. And yep. uh we were we were up. I think at this time. So, and I'm at I'm on the right I'm on the right end. So uh, we get a call in, and I'm coming up against the guard, and I make the move on the guard. And by the time I make the move on the guard, uh, one of my defensive tackle, my corner hit him, and like he bounced off of him. So I just get past the guard and beat him, and continue running. And then I sat the quarterback for my first set of the season, and it was just like it, it didn't feel real. I didn't even like I don't know, it just felt unreal. And that was that was Joshua Dobbs, right? Yeah, it was. I said Joshua Dobbs, yes, sir. Yes, yeah, I I remember. So, pretty pretty big kid, pretty pretty athletic kid, but obviously yeah. not not big enough and not athletic enough to take 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 on the likes of Antonio, aka T. Sims. So yes, that is a that's a good choice. Uh, one is because you're facing, you know, obviously SEC competition, which people yeah. figure is gold standard. Now, you faced guys who were going to go on to play in the SEC since you were probably 12 years old or so. Yeah, but, I would say. Right, growing up where you grew up and playing some of the guys you played. So if you were putting together like a short list of the best players you've ever played with and against, uh, it sounds like Dante Blackman makes that list, uh, somebody you played with. Who else? You mentioned Isaiah Wynn. Who else is on that list of the best guys you've played either with, with played with? Or games. Uh, how many people can I? How many people can I list? Hey, until you get tired. <laughs> All right. So okay, yeah, Dante. He's most definitely an athletic person. Uh, Sheldon Rankins that play for the Saints right now. Okay. Uh, King Judd that plays. He was a running back. Played running back at Ole Miss. Uh, Javon Robinson played at Jim C. Whitney. He was amazingly talented. Uh, who else? Um, Marcus Cox at App State. 
uh, Jalen Moore at State. They was great. Uh, who else? Mm. That's right now. That's who I can think of. Like coming up. Uh, who else? No, no, no. Um, really, that that, that I don't. I cannot think of his name. But the offensive tackle from Miami. He was good one. And uh, oh, Toledo. Jeremy Yeah, you can include Larry Tuckle. We'll count him. He he he's okay. <laughs> yeah, we can but, count uh, Larry. Uh, Blair. Uh, Ronald Blair. I got a uh, chance to play oh, with him. Speaking of guys with a plan, now where is Ronald Blair now? Uh, San Francisco, uh, 49ers. 49ers, okay. Oh, I like that kid. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. I, I'm going to yeah. still talk to him. But Man. you can tell him, too. You can tell him he has a face in me. He reminds me a little bit of um, a little bit of Brandon Graham, though he's a little bit bigger. But he's one of those guys that's kind of, I mean, first of all, short area power. Like, one of those yeah. guys that just, when he touches people, they've been touched. Like, you see yeah. him rock. He's yeah. You can put him on their backside. I'm telling you, when I first, like, when I first got to F State and I seen him and the way he was playing, I was like, all right. So, I just had to, like, while he was there, I just had to learn a few things from him, learn a few ropes from him because I seen the way he was playing and I knew. I was like, he's good. You know, I, I done played around good people, and I knew how, like, it sounded like he, he's a, good, a great player. That's a good call. Uh, and, yes, now, has he told you about what it's like to make that jump, you know, to make it from where he is to where from where he was to where he is? Oh, yeah, he, we talked about it. He told me it was a, it's a big difference, the lifestyle and, like, the, the playing. He was like, like this is your lifestyle. Like like football is really like your lifestyle. So like this is your job. He's like it's your job. So like you really like it's a big change. Yeah, it's twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five. Uh, the season yeah, may the season might end, but preparing for it never ends. And the, yeah, oh, yeah. So he told you a little bit about it about how I mean when people say grind. It really is because you just you you can't really take too many days off. Even when the, people say the off season, it might be the off season for the people who watch the game. But if you're playing yeah. the game, you know, they don't stop. yeah, you can take a little vacation or something, clear your mind. But when you get back from that vacation, you're back in the that weight room. Yeah. You're back back watching film. You're back texting your coaches and working with you know Chuck Smith or and you know your. Yeah. Private coaches to get better. You're you're hiring a, a personal chef, or you know, if your person's not good at cooking sure. the right food for yourself, some people can figure it out, but you know, not everybody. So, but whatever it is, it's your shit. Your body is your corporation, right? So you are <laughs> the president and CEO of T Sims Incorporated, and if you don't want the stock to go way way down, <laughs> there's not. I mean, teach right. Well, here's a good example, right? Right, T.J. Watt, right? Here's a guy who might be headed to the Hall of Fame. What do you think he's doing right now? Working out, probably. Yep. I almost guarantee you're correct. I can personally guarantee that he, right now, as we speak, is dragging logs through a forest or, you know, throwing boulders or whatever, some crazy T.J. Watt stuff, jumping, you know, over a yak or, you know, you know, he's always out there doing some weird stuff. But he's, but he's, that's what he's at. He is. Somebody asked him, you know, about his personal life. He has, you know, he goes to the occasional date, but he said, I, I can't really commit to a serious relationship. 
I want to give all of my time to football. That's hey. that, that's a guy with a little bit of a sickness, frankly. <laughs> but, um, but that's what you need. I mean, if you want to be one of the greats, one of the guys they elect to the Hall of Fame, you'll be that kind of great. You want to be Tom Brady great, Reggie White great, Randy Moss great. Those yeah. guys a little bit sick, a little bit, little bit off. Some a little bit raw, you know. It's not quite all there. They, they just, they can't be satisfied, right? They, no matter what they do, never enough. You know, they always want to do more and be better. And I mean, T.J. Watt is bothering people. I mean, as great as he is, he's calling people up and bothering them about what he can get better at. It's like T.J. Watt, you're T.J. Watt, but he's never satisfied, right? He's out there beating up on his brothers in the, um, in the in the family driveway at basketball, like like they were still fourteen, because he just he's a he ain't yeah. up right, something wrong, <laughs> you know. It's all he can think about. He's competing and winning and beating something and getting better. So yes, something a little bit wrong with that guy. He's, yeah, he's chopping <laughs> logs. He's doing something crazy, you know. That's him. That's what he does. That's his thing. Now. Everybody has uh, some other activity, even if you are a sicko. Um, what else do you like to do? What are your, your, you know, are you a person that likes music? Are you a guy that, you know, likes to pretend that you're um, Steph Curry when you're not playing football? What, are your, what do you do when you're not on the football field? Uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm really like an outdoors guy, so, I mean, I like to go. Like, when I'm home, I like to go fishing and stuff like that. So, probably like some of the outdoors. And it's a beautiful day outside today in Georgia. Okay, well, App State was really perfect for you then if you like to hunt and fish. Yeah, it, like, it really, yeah, because I've I never been hiking or none of that before until I got to App State and did all that. And canoeing and all that. And, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's God's country up there. That, is, that really is. Okay. Perfect. I have a few more questions for you, so I'm going to plow on ahead. Um when did you first start to hear from All-Star games, uh, you know, that you might have a chance to go play in this game after your season or that game after your season? Oh, uh, I, I didn't hear from them. I didn't get any of the you, you didn't hear from the NFLPA game? They didn't no. reach out to you? No, I'm fine. Very surprising. Huh. Huh. Not East-West Shrine, not College Gridiron Showcase. Really? No. Nah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I heard. I heard nothing from none of them. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're on my all snub team. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, no offense to the other guys out there, and I, I, they're all good. But you're as good or better than a lot of guys I saw at some of these All Star games that I, I checked out. And I spent a week, you know, watching guys at the East-West Shrine game, and you are as good or better than most of the D-linemen who were there. Uh, so I'm a little surprised <laughs> that you didn't hear. I, I thought you would – I thought it was maybe you were still trying to rehab from your injury or something that prevented you from accepting. So you didn't get any invitations, is what you're telling me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I never I – got, I got no calling on invites. Okay. Well <laughs> – that is a surprise. That's what yeah. that is. That is a surprise. I'm gonna, I'll just ask, why do you think that is? I have no. I, I still don't know. So I'm just like, I, I'm just assuming. I, I guess 
people in school when I was still. I heard the song, so I never knew. But I called and asked, but nobody said that. So I was like, all right, it's fine. Uh, I'm on my pro day. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, like I said, I guess. Huh. So, no all-star games, no combine. It's all pro day. Yes, sir. Well, I guess you better blow it out. That's what I'm working for now. That's what I'm working to do now. So, so tell me, what what goals have you set for yourself? What do you want to What do you want to show people when you when your pro day rolls around? Uh, my work ethic, the way I work. Uh, that I'm, I guess, athletic. I can move. Stuff I can do. Yeah. Are you going to do linebacker <laughs> drills? Uh, linebacker okay, drills as well. Line stuff? Yes, sir. Now, who's been working with you in terms of pass drops and some of the, the linebacker specific stuff? Uh, we got a, I got a, a coach at um App State I work with. So we got like a group that like does our, uh, like we do some stuff like drop back drills and all kind of stuff together. Like a group of linebackers, like with David Street and all them. We've been working together. Okay. Got it. Now, what have you noticed is different? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you're further away from the football, and yeah. you're differently. But in terms of your approach, how do you, how, how how does it feel to you when you're playing linebacker as opposed to playing with your hand in the dirt? Uh, I guess uh, I mean it, it's different because I guess you're seeing more, and you're not just focused on seeing that like the offensive line in front of you, seeing like more of the field, and like you got more space to like work in. Okay, got it. And are there any things you like about standing up? Any things you like about playing linebacker? Oh yeah, I like standing up because I, I just, I mean, I mean, I think I can get out of, I think I can pass from some my three point stands quick, but I just like feel like standing up just so I can feel like I can, like I said, I can see more and like I can feel like I can do more from like as a pass. Okay. And so, if you go to a three-four team, obviously you're going to have to, you know, continue to grow as mm-hmm. as a linebacker. If you go to a four-three team, that means probably putting some weight back on. I'm guessing if they're going to keep you as a as a DN, because you uh-huh. said you're right around two sixtieth on the dot right now. Yes, sir. Okay. I mean, there are some DNs who are right around that number, but most DNs in the NFL are in the mid, you know, mid thirties. So that's not necessarily a must. Now, if you are, I mean, clearly you've, you've thought about this. I mean, the fact that you're working on drills and things like that. When you look at defenses around the league, and I know, trust me, I know you'll play for anybody. You will play for anyone, any place, anywhere. I get that. Every player I've ever spoken with has said, hey, I'll play for anybody. I get it. There's a team on Mars, you'd go to Mars and play for them. Yeah. I get it. But there's got to be some defenses that you've looked at and thought, oh, oh, it'd be sure fun to play in that defense. Oh, like certain. I mean, I just know because when I was growing up, there's certain defenses. When you play defense, you thought, oh, 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 oh I'd like to yeah. play for that. All right. Uh, yeah. So, who are some of the defenses? Or what are some of the defenses out there that when you look, you think, oh, really like to play in that? Defense? It was the Ravens' defense. So they had like they had Aries, they had Ravens, and 
they just seemed like they had everything, and I was like, how good they was playing. I was like, I want, I want, I would love to play for the Ravens defense. <laughs> that was a pretty good defense, yes. Um, yeah. is, is our defense out around now? I mean, maybe it's not like the you know, it's not quite like the Ravens defense. Uh-huh. Is there a defense you've seen out there? Because you know, nobody's that good now. But is there a defense you've seen maybe around now that appeals to you that you like to watch and that you feel like you be a good fit? Um, it's probably the Jaguars. I guess I mean, after this past season, I've been I like it. like the way their defense was playing. I like the way their defense was playing. Yeah, well, they they're extremely aggressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're 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 not out there reacting and reading and you know trying to you know hoping or that that you know you don't you don't make a big play. They're out there trying to make a big play themselves. They're trying. Every play, they're trying to get the ball back. Yes, sir. Yeah, they're they crazy aggressive. And, of course, obviously, based on the template of Pete Carroll's defense, and Pete mm-hmm. Carroll's plate comes from a man named Monty Kiffin. And Monty Kiffin, of course, father of Lane Kiffin, uh, was one of the, the great uh, architects of what we call 4-3 under, uh, sort of mm-hmm. the man. Of, of four three under, and then the innovation I guess that Pete Carroll did was moving away from the slightly softer cover two to a matchup cover three, and but still keeping a lot of a four three under principle. Now you seem to be a guy that has a pretty good grasp of the history. Do you ever dig into that? Do you try to look at sort of what defenses are trying to do and? You know who, how they're designed and strengths and weaknesses and things like that. No, I, I never really, I never really got into the like, the, like looks of that. I, I might, I need to do it just to see, see what, see what they really like came from. Well, what I will tell you, and mm-hmm. it depends on where you go. I mean, if you go to a, if you go to the Patriots, you may have heard this. I don't know if you may, if you know this already. He will literally give pop quizzes, and I'm not even joking when I say this. Bill Belichick yeah. will literally give pop quizzes. He may ask you something like that. Who is who is who is the father of the four three hundred defense? That's very much a possible pop mm-hmm. quiz question for Bill Belichick. He might quiz you about one of your teammates, what school they went to, or what their school mascot is. He's famous for stuff like that. He oh. likes Oh. Bill Belichick is a bit of a maniac. I don't know if you may have heard this, but he is big he is big on making sure his players know things. Things that they might need to know, things they might not need to know. But just he thinks of that one little edge, knowing a little bit more about your teammate, knowing a little more about mm-hmm. your competition, knowing just a little bit more about your own team or your own uh, the history of the game. Even he's a relatively big time historian, big time football historian. Um, I mean, he's oof. <laughs> he is he has depth. <laughs> There's levels to him. Um, if you ever get a chance to talk football with Bill Belichick, take care advantage of that opportunity because okay, there's not much he doesn't know about football. I'll just leave it at that. If it's American tackle football, he probably knows about it. Uh, of course, he comes from, you know, his father, Steve, wrote the book, yeah. literally wrote the book on scouting. He wrote a, a very influential book on football scouting, called Football Scouting Methods by Steve Belichick. And his father you know, obviously brought him up, uh, you know, very much in a, 
mental, like he he, he made sure his, his 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 son understood, his young son who you know now is maybe the maybe the greatest coach the game has ever seen, maybe one of the greatest coaches. Always approach the game, realizing that it's you can't see my fingers, but there's this much difference between winning and losing. It's, my fingers are very close together, <laughs> and the teams that win just have that much advantage, that much over the teams that don't. It's a tiny little advantage. When you think about what you do or what you can do to get that tiny little advantage, where do you think you'll find that little quarter of an inch that millimeter, that tiny little thing that allows you to win? Where, where would you find it? Mm. Ugh, I don't know. I'm trying to like think what you mean. Like, I'll find it. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, let me let me give you one last thing. Reach out to your guys who are already in the league, and uh-huh. reach out to your coaches, right? And say, "Hey, I need one more inch. I need one more." Right? You remember the game of inches speech from? Yeah. Um, okay. Right. <laughs> well, tell them, "Hey, I need that inch. Help me." You know, just ask them. Hey, you know, where? What can I still do? Where can I still grow? Uh, yeah. There's things you can physically, you know, we talked about T.J. Watt, dragon logs in the forest, whatever the heck you, crazy thing you're doing today. Uh, there's, you know, Tom, Tom Brady, as much as he's accomplished in his career, you know that when he got home, well, he probably took a night off, you know, laid yeah. next to his supermodel wife, you know, cried or whatever, because he's an emotional dude. Um, you said he might, have, might well have literally cried, you know, and she hopefully made him feel better. But the next day, you know and I know, the next day, what was Tom Brady doing? Working. Working. He was pestering wide receivers. He was yelling at Gronkowski. (laughs) You know, what are you talking about? You're not going to retire? Shut up. You know, fly out here. I'm going to throw a football at you. I mean, you know what I know, that Tom Brady, don't let the smooth taste fool you. Like, he's... He's got a little bit of a, you know, I'm not going to use the word, but there's a little bit of that to him. Like, he, when he knows he needs to get on a guy, he's not afraid to get on a guy. I guarantee you, he didn't do it publicly, but I guarantee you, he yelled at Kronkowski when he started talking retirement. No, you're not going to retire. Stop even talking. <laughs> get off your butt. Stop feeling for sorry for yourself. Come here and let me throw a football match. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Step out of it. We got, a, we got a Super Bowl to win, you know? I mean, True. Clock is ticking. I know he talks about playing until he's 45, but come on. He's not going to do that. He's going to play another year or two. He's got one, maybe two more shots at this. So yeah. he's on the phone. They, they, you know, hey, you know, when you, if, hey, some of the guys had a little cleanup surgery. Hey, when you get back on your feet, come stay with me and my family out here, and I'm going to throw football at you. Right? I mean, you know, he's required up. Because this is the hardest thing to do is to lose a Super Bowl and then get back. The only thing it's hard to repeat. It's hard to repeat, but it's even harder when you lose, when you're that close. Because you feel like it was something was taken from you. You feel like a little part of you died. And so you feel a little bit sorry for yourself. Even if you're a tough competitor, you feel like a little piece of you died. So the hardest thing is not, it's winning the Super Bowl, yeah, I mean, but the world is your oyster when you win the Super Bowl. And it's hard to come down from it and remember to work again. That's the hard part. It's complacency when you win. But 
when you get that close and you lose. Oh, yes, that's why people are saying, oh, I think I might retire. I mean, Gretkowski is prime. He's not literally going to retire, but is he, not, is he beaten up physically? Of course. But it's the mental. It's that yeah. it's, it's your mind thinking you're going to pick up that trophy and feel the best you've ever felt in your life again, right, because they've done it before. But it's addictive. You know, you don't want to just win one. You don't want to just win two or three. I mean, as many rings as Brady has, he's still angry. He's still hungry. He still feels that this should have been his. He should have won, right? That's what's going through his mind. He's trying to figure out where, what, do we, what mistakes do we make? What, didn't, what plays didn't I make, right? As great as he is, he's extremely critical. And, of course, you know, he's Bill Belichick's coach, so if you are critical, he'll, he'll do it for you. You know, if you, if you somehow can't be critical of yourself, don't worry. Don't worry. He's not afraid to criticize you, no matter who you are. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care who you are. First time off, I don't care. You can work all day. It'll be better. So uh, I'm going to ask you my last two questions. So my last two Um When you think about your career, and as you said, there's things you, you felt like you could have still done, things you felt like could have worked on or could have improved. But when you look back on your career, what do you think your legacy was as a mountaineer at Appalachian State? What do you think you left there as a legacy? Uh, I think I left probably – I think I left a great legacy, like – the way I worked at practice and the way the way I did things on it, the young guys like see and I just told like the way I wanted them to do it when I left and then I also I'll go back and just see how they work now and just the way they do stuff now and like from the way me and like also other older guy did they still doing it. So I just feel like I left a, a great legacy and the way I did things and like how I finished like leading the team in sacks two years straight and I think that was also a big help for me to like help some younger guys that needed help or wanted my help. Gotcha. And here's my final question. So I know guys who are associated with some of the All-Star games. That's why I'm so surprised that you didn't get a call. But if, let's go back in time, if I were sitting down with some of the guys I know from some of these All-Star games, and I'm trying to sell them on Antonio's AKA t Sims, and I need them realize, okay, no, you got to have this guy. Like, really, you're going to be mad that you didn't think of it on your, on your, on your own. What's the game that you think that I'm showing an, uh, uh, an all-star game or I'm showing an NFL scout or I'm showing anybody that would make them understand just what a great player you are? What's the game that you would want me to show? You know what? The UMass. I probably go the uh, the year this year when we played UMass or last year we played UMass 2017. That game because I, I think I was I think I had a good game from beginning to end. And I think the way I worked, the way the defense was working, the way we stayed together and worked. Okay. So your favorite sack is Tennessee. Your favorite altogether game, UMass. Yeah. Okay. Or I yeah, or that. Uh. uh you mentioned Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern? Okay. 
because I like you so much, you brought up Lawrence Taylor. I'll let you have two. Okay, so <laughs> you, so you said – now, you mentioned UMass at first. Why Georgia Southern as well? What, what was it about that game? Uh, probably because when you said uh, you said some you said something that they made me click in my head Georgia Southern I guess because it was our rivalry and it was on TV and I just we just dominated and I felt okay. like I played great a great game that day. Okay, I'll take that. I will take that. Uh, excellent. Uh, oh, one last question. Well, this is sort of a two things. One is I want to thank you once again for your time. Oh, thank you. Talent and your attention. It has been tremendously fun watching you develop as a player. And I don't know if you're going to end up getting to play with your hand in the dirt uh, or playing standing up or, as often happens nowadays, doing a little bit of both, where some teams will have a guy like they do sometimes with Khalil Mack with the Raiders, like they do sometimes with some other guys where you might play, you know, you might play as a linebacker in certain situations and then in, on third down pass rush they let you plays in the end, yeah. which is increasingly, you know, once again, you're trying to get the most out of your out of your roster. So a guy's going to pay the more you can do, right? So special teams, oh, uh, yeah. desert pass rush, some linebacker. Uh, what, you said you played some fullbacks. You still know how to yeah. – I still block. You still remember how to do that? You said, you sir? Still, you still remember how to ISO block. Maybe they'll put you in some short yard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, never, I, I never stopped learning how to block because uh, we would do like some special team stuff at uh, App State, and I'd go out and block some people here and then. So I actually can block. I still got to block. Got it. Um, I think I've just been joined by my my next guest, who just hopped on with us. Y'all lost him. Oh, there we go. Who just hopped on with us? This is Luda. Luda Jean Lewis. Luda. Perfect. Stay right there for a moment. I'm finishing up with Mr. Sims. So the two of you are some of my favorite uh, pass rushers. I'm glad that you both joined me. Uh, it is one thing about watching you, Mr. Sims, like I said, is I, I get to see your thought process, you know, how you approach uh-huh. the game in terms of setting guys up and moving through, you know, using this move to set up that move to set up that move. So that's been one of the great things to watch you. And then Mr. Jean-Louis, you just, you're a special physical talent. And I think you're just scratching the surface of what you might end up being. So, man, what you learned to really put things together, whew, oh, you're going to be so much trouble. Oh, they're good. I, I don't know why more people don't know about you either. The two of you are just flying way more under the radar than you should. But that's hopefully about to change. Uh, so, one last question. Uh, Mr. Sims, who represents you? Who is who's your representation? Uh, Jordan Bird from the School of Sports. Excellent. Well, please do thank him also on my behalf for helping us to get this put together. You're going to get an email from me if you haven't already, or from my co-host if you haven't already done so. And I'll just ask that you respond to that email. Please, in addition to providing answers to the questions, some of which are similar or, or very similar in some cases, some of the questions may have answered here, but we want to have them in written form. And also please attach a photograph so that when I do put together the profile that we're putting together, uh, we'll have uh-huh. a picture of you well. That way, you know, people get a look at you, which who wouldn't want to do that, as well as, uh, as learn about you. So once again, Mr. Sims, I thank you, and I wish you the very best. Uh, thank you very much. Certainly. Thank you. And this is Jean Thank you so, for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. How's it going? <laughs>
Oh, it is very exciting. Um, I, I've had the great pleasure uh, of watching you sort of go from a very, very raw, and you're still, you know, to some extent raw, but extremely raw, to someone who I, I think has a very good chance to have a successful NFL career. So take me back. I'm going to, you know, assume, obviously, your, your family is from Haiti. Yeah. They got it. Uh, so that means that soccer is probably a big sport also in some, with some of your family members, I'm guessing. Yeah, my my dad played a few sports growing up. Um, baseball was one of them. Soccer, definitely one of them. Oh, okay. And I think he played. He also played uh, tennis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Now, did he t- did he try to teach you those sports as well? No, I kind of just picked up football. You know, just growing up uh, across the street from a park that I lived. I lived at. You know. Okay. And basketball as well? No, just football. I was a I was a straight football guy. I tried I tried to play basketball but too many calls for me. I <laughs> I had friends like that too. You played basketball like a football player. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Uh so for those that don't already know, tell people a little bit about your early life and your upbringing. Uh where were you born and where did you grow up? Well, I was born. I was born here in. in well, I was born in New York, right. uh, Brooklyn, New York. Born and raised. Uh, my family's from Haiti. I'm the oldest right. of six. Yeah, and um, I, I kind of took the long way to get where I'm at today. You know, I, I wasn't the best student in high school. I had to go to JUCO. Uh, I spent three years at JUCO, then found myself at Eastern Kentucky and played two years there, and now I'm pursuing my career. Right now. Now, you obviously came in as Noah Spence was, was going out. Did you get a chance to get to know Noah Spence at all? Well, I've seen him once. i seen him once. He came to our practice uh, when I first got to Eastern Kentucky, my junior year. He came to one of our practices. I didn't get to talk to him very long, but he came and showed, showed some love to us. But you didn't actually get a chance to talk very much or even work out with him or anything like that. No, nothing like that. Okay, no problem. I I hope that you would have had a chance to connect with a little bit more. Obviously, you've had some good players in the history of your school. He's just one amongst many. And even people who went on to be famous for other things played football in Kentucky. Uh, I guess the man who played the $6 million man, uh, Steve Majors, a.k.a. Lee Majors, a.k.a. Steve Austin. Uh, was a tight end at Eastern Kentucky back in the day. But you found your way, as you said, sort of a twisty, turny path. Now, what part of Brooklyn were you in? Flatbush. Flatbush. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Uh, excellent, excellent. My dad was born in Brownsville, and I lived for about seven years in Crown Heights. Okay. How was that? Yeah, it was uh, it was exciting, <laughs> um, especially if you liked, you know, uh, getting to the Jamaican patties and that. It was a, and we had a Seventh Day Adventist church that was um, a Creole speaking church on the corner of the, where I was living. So on like by Schenectady and uh, Nostrand, there was a uh, a 
Seventh-day Adventist church, and we would hear them singing all the hymns and everything in Creole. Yeah, that sounds like Flatbush. <laughs> you can find a lot of that going on out there, and, and a lot of Jamaican patties. Those, those are some of the things I miss being at Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> yes, you do. You can't get certain things. You can't get curried goat in, in Eastern Kentucky. No, not anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned uh, your high school career. Where did you go to high school? I went to Erasmus Hall. Oh, speaking of famous schools, uh, Neil Diamond, uh, Barbara Streisand, uh, I mean, a who's who, right, of people went to Erasmus Hall. Athletes, entertainers. Yes, correct. Al Davis, right. Uh, who's who of athletes, entertainers, um, Supreme Court justices, uh, I mean, and, you know, the occasional, you know, gangster. But, yes, all kinds of people have come from Erasmus Hall. It's a, a very famous, a legendary school. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm surprised you know that. Not a lot of people know that, surprisingly. Well, they ought to. Well, well, you are from, well, you are from Flatbush, so, I mean, well, well from Brooklyn. Yeah, there for a little while. My dad is from Brownsville. I mean, sorry, actually, yeah. he, he didn't grow up there. But I, I'm a historian, and Erasmus Hall is one of the great high schools in American history. I mean, they've produced great people in every single field and walk of life you could make from, like I said, Olympic athletes, I mean, everything. Everything's come from Erasmus Hall, musicians. The, the, like actors, Olympic, like the Olympic athletes, football players, basketball players, baseball players, uh, famous criminals. <laughs> but uh, I think at least one Supreme Court justice, if memory serves me correct. I don't think they've had a president yet, but they've had uh, senators and all kinds of stuff. So you started playing football when you were what, like nine or ten? Around, I started playing football in that park I was telling you about, Crusher Street. I started playing there. At a real young age, I'll say around eight years old, but then I, I got into organized football at nine, and then that's kind of where my uh, my football dreams took off. Okay. And when you were little, who were your favorite players? I liked everybody. I liked there was a there's a whole long list I could name: Ray Lewis, the, the Ed Reed, oh, Sean okay. Taylor, the Brian oh. Dawkins, the Troy Palumalos. Uh, Marcus Wears, yes. all those guys, the Rondé Barbers. Look at you. All right. Yeah. You're not just naming, you're naming some superstars. You're, just, you're not just naming super famous guys. You're naming but just all great players. Good, yeah. good taste. Good taste. I noticed they're all, all on defense, so you wanted to be a defender from jump, huh? Yeah, pretty much. I, I like some running backs, too, you know, LT. Okay. Um, who else? Um, uh, some receivers, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss. You know, you can't forget about those guys. No, you cannot forget about those guys. I'm with you on that. Excellent stuff. Uh, I'm going to open it up for my co-host. Uh, do you have any questions also for Ludo Jean-Louis? Go. Hey, Bill. Ludo? Hello? Hello? <laughs> yep. Hey, fire away. You guys hear me? Yeah, I hear you. What's up, Bill? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, man. Good. Thanks for. Uh, hey, Bill. I didn't tell you how uh, hard it was to get in contact with this dude, man. I hope you make it as hard as you made it as hard as for us, man. I hope you make it hell for these offensive linemen on the next level, man. <laughs> I got you, man. 
Yeah, I mean, Bill, I was on a three-way text with his agent, man, and he wasn't responding. I I, I said, uh, we, we're probably going to reschedule for next week, but he finally called in, man. So, again, uh, just uh, thanks for calling in. Um, born, you, Haitian background, but you were born in the United States, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, something I always um, relate to. I'm a, I'm a child of immigrants. Uh, well, my parents are from Ghana, West Africa. Um, you um you got a lot of um uh, people from Haiti, man, that have paved a, a nice um legacy and path for you. Um, I'm sure you want to follow in their footsteps. Yeah, in some way I do. Uh, I always I always take notes of those guys, the Pierre Pauls. You know. A, a, a whole bunch of guys that's in the league. That's uh, that's of my descent. Yeah, man. Louis, I don't, um, and, uh, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, like Louis Delmas and uh, uh, this, uh, what's his name? Uh, there's a few. There's more than a few. There's a good enough, especially guys from like Miami. A lot of those guys from Miami. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. So, so uh, Eastern Kentucky, correct? Yes, sir. How was um? I know you said you went to JUCO, um, and you said because you um, didn't, I guess, qualify initially for a four-year institution. So when you got to the JUCO school, um, in between high school and JUCO, what what was your mindset uh, as far as getting to D1 school or or four years college so you can play ball? Because um, I'm sure you had to make some changes and adjustment. Uh, not only from a player standpoint, but from a student standpoint. So what what did you uh, improve upon? What did you change? Yeah, most definitely uh, from a student standpoint, um, I always felt like I had the skill, the uh, the talents, the, you know, the physical abilities to play football. But the only thing, that, the, the, the thing that was always holding me back was, uh, you know, the classroom. So I had to learn to be, learn how to be a better student learn how to, like, balance being a student athlete, being good in the classroom just as well as on the field. And that's what kind of, that's what junior college helped me do. Um, they, they, they emphasized that, that Nassau. I think I finished I finished uh, Nassau with, like, a 2.5 GPA. And that's, that's the <clears> – <throat> I'm sorry, but that's the requirement already. But I felt like I was a way better student, way more focused than I was in high school. Compared to JUCO. Okay, that's good. And what about uh, as an athlete? As an athlete, I just kept progressing. I kept getting faster, stronger, smarter, and you know, just continuing to do what I do. I felt like playing football was never hard. It was, it was just trying to be a good student and being the football player I wanted to be. Um, you said you. You started playing organized football. Uh, you, uh, I believe it was a, a league or a bunch of people playing across the street uh, from where you lived at at a park. Yeah, that had uh, a lot. Oh, of... I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I was eight years old when I started playing football in the park. Um, I actually, I actually was pretty much garbage <laughs> when I started playing football. I was one of those guys that you pick last, and if I wasn't last, I wasn't playing at all. But a lot of that had to do with uh, playing with guys that were like six years older than me, but 
there was always, it was always like a large crowd, like a we, we it was like a big group of guys that I grew up playing football with. So, like I always felt like if the people in my mm-hmm. age group could get picked, why not me? And I just, you know, little by day by day started getting better, and then you know here I am today. Good man, good story. So um, who uh, what opportunities you have after uh, Nassau? Uh, in addition to uh, Eastern Kentucky, what other schools were you that um, you were you had a, po- a chance of playing at? I had a chance of playing at University of Kentucky, uh, Missouri, Syracuse. Um, it, was, it was kind of it was kind of a long list of schools. But the the year that I was coming out of JUCO. They kind of had like I don't know what was going on in the NCAA, but there was a lot of coaches being resigned from their jobs or, you know, moving around and stuff. And that kind of that had a lot to do with my my recruiting status because a lot of the guys that promised promised me scholarships ended up at different schools or not even coaching anymore. I kind of got Eastern Kentucky like literally the last minute of signing day. Um, yeah, uh, okay. So, how was your experience in Eastern Kentucky, man? And uh, was it what you expected, or was it easier, harder? Uh, I say it was. It was a little challenge because I was taken away from everything that I was familiar with, as far as like the culture, the food, people, music, like almost everything you could think of. So, like, I I was really, really isolated from everything that I'm accustomed to. And that kind of brought me, like, a, a bigger focus to, like, my purpose and why I was there and what I wanted to do and how did I wanted to do it. Like, my first year, I probably, I struggled a little bit because, for one, the only thing that, would, that was, I was familiar with was playing football. And I changed from being a linebacker my whole life to playing defensive end, throwing my hand in the dirt. And I, I got up there at, like, 208 pounds. So, like, that was a big transition for me right there. I kind of hated it, like, first my first year around, you know, because now, like, I'm, you know, I'm not around anything that I'm familiar with. And then now I'm changing my position, like, the last minute, like, in my in my career. So, like, I had to, like, kind of, like, I had to really study, like, on and off the field. I had to really change the way I think, the way, the way I like, I had to change my attitude about about the game because, you know, like, coaches would explain to me that you know how, you know, it's not always gonna be, like, what could you do for the team? It's sometimes it's like, I don't know, it's, it's like a gray area where like I I just gotta be versatile and be able to do do whatever it is they want me to do. And that's what I did. I, I adjusted the best way I can, and I put it all together my second year, and and it turned out being good. Now, did you? So, how long have you been playing that position? Were you playing that position since since college? What defensive end? Yes. Yeah. No. Well, I I started playing that position at Eastern Kentucky, so that was just my second year playing defensive end. So you recruit you recruited at what position? 
I was recruited to play defensive end when I got there. No, well, I'm sorry. Where were you playing at Nassau? Oh, at Nassau, I was playing linebacker. I was playing inside, outside. Play. We, we had a four-two-five defense. But pretty much, they pretty much moved me around everywhere. Well, in, in certain situations, now that I'm, you know, my memory's coming back. In certain situations, they would have me uh, rush the quarterback at third on third downs. But you know, that's nothing like playing defensive end. You know, full time, hand in the dirt, taking on pullers and everything like that. Um, you're listed at six four two twenty three. Uh, is that about right as far as the height and weight, or you're a little, little short, a little? That's that's little. pretty exact. That's pretty exact. Uh, I played at two twenty five. So, um, what what's your weight right now? You're about two twenty three. No, right now I'm I'm a lot heavier. I'm at two thirty three. Okay. And got a uh, couple more pounds to put on. That's one of my next question. So how many more pounds are you looking to add onto your body? Somewhere from like two to seven more. Bill, um, I think that's it for now. Let me let me uh, let you do what you do best, and I will certainly – I'll have some more questions for you, Lula. All right. So you mentioned – you know, your your career going back to Rasmus Hall. You had some challenges in the classroom. But tell tell me about your your, your time as a player. Uh, tell me about some of the things you felt like you accomplished as a player back in high school and who were some of the best guys you faced in terms of players you either played with or even some guys you might have played against while you were in uh back in New York. I feel like my experience at Erasmus was, was kinda golden. Cause my my coaches like they 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 broke me down and real uh, built me back up into like a man that like a strong like the most mentally focused strongest football player you could possibly have like I feel like I was pretty much ready for whatever obstacle they made me ready for whatever obstacle that that came before me, that was coming up ahead and. You know, I, I give I give a lot of credit to my to my high school coaches. Like they really helped me out a lot. Uh, I got I got a chance to play with a lot of good athletes like Wayne Morgan, Shaquel Jackson. Uh, Wayne went to uh, Syracuse. Yep. Um, I played against some good ones too, like uh, Alvin Cornelius. He also went to uh, Syracuse. Um, Ebenezer, who went to uh, Clemson, I ended up playing him again. Cause he had when he had left Clemson and went to uh, Tennessee State. That's oh, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, he's another guy you're gonna see again on Sundays as well. I'm sorry. I was saying, and you're gonna see him again on Sundays as well. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a good friend of mine too. Good dude right there. That's not too too shabby. And people don't respect football in New York City the way they used to. There was a time when a lot of really good football players came out of the city, as well as Long Island and places like that. And Syracuse, when it was great, going back to Ben Schwartzwalder in the 50s, 
built a lot of that greatness on players they got from, I mean, some of them from out of state, you know, from Ohio and Pennsylvania and things like that, but a lot of the players they got from Long Island or New York City. But now it seems like people don't have that much respect for football in the city. Do people talk about Florida, particularly South Florida and Tampa? People talk a lot about, of course, Georgia, California, obviously, and Texas. You don't hear that much talk about football in New York City, but there's a lot of good football players in the city. I'm glad to see you representing and reminding people good football in New York City. Yeah, I think that's starting to change now, thanks to guys like Wayne Morgan, um, Curtis Samuel, another dude I forgot to mention. He's actually one of our first draftees coming out of our high school, to my knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he went to Ohio State. He got drafted second round two years ago. Yeah, yeah he, he's about uh, to – I think people are about to see why it was that Carolina – Carolina was trying to figure out what to do with him. I think they probably figured it out. I think they're going to make more use of him this year. Yeah, I hope so. That 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 kid is a hell of a talent, man. He's a hell, heck of a football player, and he, even a better better person. Oh, okay. Well, I I don't know much about him personally, but I'm impressed by his talent. And I think we're about to. I think this year's gonna be his breakout year. So I don't know if you still talk to him, but I you can let him know that I I think this is gonna be a big year for him. I think he's about to show people why it was that you know they invested a second round pick in him, and I I think he might even outperform that draft status, I think there's going to be, they're going to move them around. Well, I think they're going. I mean, once again, they're smart. They'll move around, try to create some matchups, make use of him in a few different kinds of ways because he's the kind of guy that is a tough cover, obviously, as you you know. Uh, So you've played with and against some pretty good players. The Juco experience can be very jarring for some people because – First of all, it, it happens. Everything happens very quickly. It's a very compressed time frame, right? You get there, go, 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 go. You've got to get yourself squared away academically. Now, you spent a longer time than, than some people, but, but you get yourself squared away academically. You've got to get yourself squared away athletically. When you first got to, to NASA Junior College, where were you on the depth chart? Um, I kind of I walked on to NASA, so like I had to like build my way up. Uh, I wasn't even, I wasn't even on the travel team for like the first four weeks. I had to go on scout kickoff and, and make some noise there to show that I could play on the field right away. Cause they was they was kind of trying to redshirt me. They didn't think I could probably play right away, but I had to show them different. And then I started getting minutes at like the end of the game at, at like the fifth game of the season. I was always I was always that guy that come in that fourth quarter, two minutes left, a minute left, and the two or three plays that I get, I always make a play. Make every play count, every rep count. Instead of counting every rep, that's what I was told. Mm-hmm. There you go. And then, that's a, I, I knew that was a coach speak. I mean, every coach would say that. Don't count your reps, make every rep count. <laughs> it's like, okay, I heard. I know some coach said that to you. And yeah, apparently got, it worked, right? He made, made the most of it. Okay, so take me from that year to your next year. What changed between year one and year two? Well, during the mid, or around the middle of the season of year one, our coaching staff changed around. Um, our offensive coordinator moved to our head coach, and then, you know, 
I stayed at Nassau. I didn't leave. A lot of players left. Um, it was a lot of guys returning. And I moved to middle linebacker. They they kind of didn't know what to do with me either. But I ended up playing middle, some some Sam. And then on third down situations, they had me rush the quarterback. Um, I played with a lot of great players that year, too. We went undefeated, won the championship. Um, I played with a guy, uh, Rasul Douglas. He, he got drafted, like, last year. Um, went to West Virginia. Yeah, went to West Virginia. Plays for, plays for the Eagles now. He's a champion now. Yes, he is. Um, I also played with Tyrell Chavis. He was the, he was the number one uh, tackle in the country. Um. Yeah, I play. I played with a lot of a lot of a lot of good guys at Nassau. I had a big. I had a big year my second year over there. Okay. And who were some of the best guys you faced? Play. Who were some of the best guys you played against while you were there? I want to say the best team we played against was Lackawanna College. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, they had. They had a lot of. I think they signed twenty two D one athletes that year. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh went against we went, we went against a lot of dudes. Uh what's his name? Kevin White's little brother, Karan White. Yeah, his right. Yeah. Uh his other brother that plays on the other side of the ball. Kazir. Uh, yeah. Him played against a lot of good linemen. They their linemen were like the real deal. Um, they was already like Six eight, three forty, all across the board. Like, um, yeah, yeah. That was that was probably one of the best teams we played. It was a good game too. I bet. I yeah. bet it was. Okay. Now, talk to me about your re-recruitment process. Right, you've obviously made it right from high school to junior college. When did you start to start hearing from four-year schools? Coming out of Nassau, right? Tell me about your your re-recruitment. So, obviously, you made it from high school to your junior college. When did you first start to hear from four-year institutions? You know, the second time around for your re-recruitment. I want to say spring ball. My I had an offer from Kansas, Kansas, uh, Kansas University, Jayhawks. Is, is, am I saying that right? Yeah, University of Kansas. Yep, in in. That was my first offer in, in the spring, and then that uh, that same coach that offered me uh, went somewhere else. I don't know where he went, but he wasn't he wasn't the coach over there anymore. But I, that was my first offer. That's when I started hearing, you know, coaches starting to reach out, coming coming to see me practice, started getting a buzz around my name, and then I followed through during the season. Okay, so Kansas was the first. Uh, who else got involved in your recruitment process? Who else did you start to hear from? Um, sure. After that, I just started schools. Just started after that first offer. After that first offer, I just started hearing schools from left and right. Like Syracuse came along, um, Florida even. They they were showing some interest. Um, I want to say Texas A and M. Okay. And how many of them actually offered scholarships? Um, I want to say just not not too many. Probably about five. Okay, about so 
So take me through those five. Uh, obviously, one of them was Eastern Kentucky. Who else was actually in the running in terms of scholarship offers? Stony Brook. Um, Kansas, I already said. Like Kansas, Stony Brook. Syracuse. Okay. Um, Missouri. Okay, Missouri. They have a great tradition of pass rushing. Yeah. Kentucky, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky really wanted me too, but um, we, I don't know, we, we kind of lost communication after like my, um, my, my grade situation. I had, I had like a little grade situation back in Nassau. That's, I had to burn the red shirt for me to graduate. Like I, I was taking, I wasn't taking the proper classes that was going towards my, my credits or going towards my degree. So that kind of okay. set me back. And as far as like the timetable for me to come out of NASA, so I, I lost I lost a lot of offers through that too. Oh, okay. So, so a lot of schools were, were expecting me to finish at a certain time, but when they looked at my my um my transcript, uh, the paperwork wasn't right. Oh, okay. So somebody who should have been advising you academically didn't tell you exactly which courses you needed. Basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I've 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 worked in you know in schools before, and it's very important. And of course, some school will have somebody who specifically works with all the athletes to guide them or, or advise them to say, hey, if you're trying to go to a D1 school, you need to make sure you have X number of hours of this, X number of hours of that. Now, what was your major? What were you What were you majoring in? I was just taking liberal arts. Okay. Yeah. And so you probably need a certain number of hours of science, certain number of hours of math, certain number yeah. of hours of, of English and language arts, probably two history classes, that kind of thing. Right. See the thing with me, I was taking I was taking the right amount of classes, but I wasn't taking the classes that were gonna be able to transfer to the next school. Oh, uh, okay. So, Got it. So yeah, I had like I had like more credits than I I ended up finishing with more credits than I needed. Because I had to right. like, go back and take classes that were actually actually transferable to the school. Got it. Okay. So you had to stay, as you said, burn extra retro uh, year in order to satisfy the academic requirements. Yeah. And so when that was all said and done, who was still interested once you went through that process? Um, I lost. Yeah, like I said, I lost a lot of schools uh, during that time. A lot of a lot of offers, a lot of interest, and at the same time, the there was like a scramble of coaches going wherever in the NCAA. Like coaches were either getting fired, resigning, or you know changing schools. And the, the only school that stuck with me that whole time was Stony Brook, and may, I want to say Syracuse. Syracuse was kind of, was kind of still keeping in contact with me, but they we didn't end up coming to a conclusion. Okay. So if Stony Brook was there the whole time, how did you not end up being a Seawolf? I mean, closer to home, obviously. Uh, what was it that took them out of the running? Um, I mean, I, I went on a visit. I went on a visit and everything. Um, I, I I can't really say. I just didn't feel like the school was for me. Okay. Hey, you've got to make – that's an important choice. you got to go to a place where it feels like home. 
So tell me about the staff at, at Eastern Kentucky. What was it about that staff that made you feel like this is my home? Even though, as you said, you're leaving behind everything. You're leaving behind, you know, all the places you've ever gone to eat. You're leaving behind, as you said, the places where you've probably gone to, you know, to hang out or listen to music. You're, you're leaving behind everything. You're going to a place where people wear cowboy boots and have 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 shotguns in the back of their trucks and, you know, wear camouflage and things like that. So what was yeah. it about, you know, leaving everything behind? What was it about Eastern Kentucky that made that still feel like home to you? To be honest, I didn't even go on a visit to uh, to Eastern Kentucky. Like, I, I got, because I, when it was time for me to come out, um, like, I already, I already, like, wasn't, I already had my mind, Stony Book already had it in their minds that I wasn't coming to that school. So by the time it was time for me to realize that I should go to Stony Brook, that time was already too late. They kind of already changed their mind, you know, gave my spot up already. And I was kind of stuck with no school. So I was I was really butthurt about that. And then I, I was literally contemplating on just walking on to whatever school I felt like I could start in or, like, have the best opportunity to, to play football. Like, I was considering walking on to uh, Syracuse or, you know, uh, the U- University of Buffalo. And, mm-hmm. and while all these thoughts were going to, through my head during signing week, probably, like, the next morning, that's when Eastern Kentucky called and told me that, you know, they had a spot for me. And I didn't even second-guess it because I didn't have nowhere else to go. I just knew that I have an opportunity to get a free education and play football for free. So. I was, I just took it and ran with it. I just showed up in Kentucky, didn't know anything about it. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of went on YouTube. I did a little research, you know, about the school. I, I was going on the internet trying to find out as much information as I can, but I didn't really have much of a choice at the same time. So I knew I was going to be like I had to mentally prepare myself for whatever it is that you know they had for me. You know, I know I was going to be in the country settings. And uh, I, I kind of just, you know, rolled the dice right there, and just made the most of the made, made the most of the opportunity that was given to me. Okay. And so, as you said, you're you're going for the first for the first time you ever saw the place. You had classes and things like that already. You had to register for classes and all that. You wouldn't have any. You had to get started right away, basically. Yeah. Okay, so who did you first gravitate towards? Who was the first group of people? You know, you arrived there, you know, obviously you don't know anybody, you've never been there before. Uh, who were the first people you started to, to hang with, and, and to whom did you become close? Um, there's no real specific people. I was, I, I was always one of those guys that gravitated towards my teammates. Like, I always felt like I could relate to them because we're, we're, we're in the same journey, so... As soon as I got there, you know, I I just was making friends with guys on the teams and, you know, my position coach, just trying to just trying to like build a relationship there, and that's that's kind of that's kind of how I started. Okay, got it. And tell me, who who was that coach? You said your position coach was the other person you were closest to. Who was that? Uh, uh Coach Stewart. Called Walter James Stewart. 
Okay. He was actually not too much older than me, so it was kind of easier to, you know, get get cool with get cool with him. He's right. probably like four years older than me. Right. He's been a player just a few years before. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati. That's exactly. I was like, when you said the name, it's like, wait a second. I scouted that dude. <laughs> he was, was it, he got hurt or something, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Was it a neck injury or something? Yeah. Yes. Because I was like, why did I was trying to remember why it was he stopped. Now I remember why he stopped. He was good. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen Coach's tape? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I, he was I, good. Like I think it was if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't like he he taught me everything there was to know about D line. Like I had to learn from scratch, like D line one on one, where to put yeah. my hand on an offensive lineman, how to put my hand in the dirt, how much pressure to put on my hand, how do I how do I set my feet, where do my eyes look? Like you know, he he helped me with all of that. Right, right, right. Because so for you, you you kind of come full circle. You know, you're a guy who had grown up playing linebacker. Now you get a chance to play D-line now because of your, you know, your frame. I mean, you can get a little bit bigger, but most likely you're going to be a linebacker again. So it'll still come full circle for you. But you have the ability to rush the pass. Yeah, I always had that ability. Right. Yes, right. God just put that in you, right, obviously. Uh, You were fun to watch, Um, even when you didn't exactly know what you were doing. I mean, I could tell – I didn't know that you had never played DN before. So that explains, like, some of the rawness, but you've grown, you've come very far, very fast. What were the things, if you could go back in time and talk to yourself at 18 or 19 about what you should do to get yourself ready for the next, you know, four or five years of your life, if you could go back to 18, let's say 18, you could have a a talk with your 18-year-old self, what would you tell 18-year-old Luther about what is what to prepare for? What's about to happen? Um, to stay, to stay, to uh, I'll just, I'll just tell my eighteen-year-old self to never stop working out, never stop. Like no matter what you got going on, like because I remember I told you uh, I took a, I had to burn a red shirt to get my my grade situation right in order to you know pursue my football career. Um, I kind of, I kind of like took the gas, took the, took my foot off the gas as far as like the weight room and everything, and uh, put all my energy and focus on school because I, like, I always struggled balancing the two, the student and the athlete part. So I put it in my mind that I can't play football without doing good in school. Football was never hard for me, so I put it in my mind that I was gonna put 100% focus into, you know to school. I mean, I worked out here and there, but not as much as I should. And then by the time I got that call, Eastern Kentucky, you know, I was like only like a month in of training. And then, you know, but that that's what I was probably, I was already 20, I was already 20 by then, but my 18 year old self, um, I don't I like, shoot. I, I was, I could just say I was, I was pretty hungry. Still, I'm hungry, but just, just like just that that aspect of being, you know, just being, I don't know, like just being able to, to handle everything, like you know what I'm saying, just on the business side, being a better businessman, 
Like, always taking care of my business no matter what, on and off the field. Right. Yeah. One of the great challenges, it's funny because talent is only the reason guys don't make it about half the time. The other half of the time is something else. Time management, it's distractions, it's discipline. It's, I mean, I could, I could, without thinking hard, name 100 guys who had more than 100, but easily 100, who had the chance, who had the athletic talent to be great. Not good, great, but didn't make it. And you said, yeah, as you said, sometimes it is just not taking care of your business, not being accountable, not being on time. Not, I mean, if coaches can't trust you, they don't care how talented you are if they can't trust you. Doesn't matter. They can't trust you. They're not, gonna, they're not going to invest a spot in and playing time and things like that. And a guy they can't trust, no matter how talented he is. Like without thinking hard, I could literally think of a hundred easily. More than enough talent. More than enough talent to be great. Not just good, but great. But just not trustworthy. You know, uh, didn't take care of the things they're supposed to take care of the way they're supposed to take care of them. So. Yeah. So now you find yourself in this situation, right? You're now at a four-year institution. Um, you've hopefully, by this point, gotten some good ideas about how it is to balance the challenge of being, as you said, a student, an athlete, uh, you know, a young man, right? You're, you're, you're growing as a person. You're learning how to balance film time, weight room, classroom. Now, where did you end up getting your degree in? Well, I'm still working on my degree right now. Um, I'm, I'm in the field of sports management right now. Yes, sports management. And you're finishing in May? Well, I'm on the pace for the summer. Oh, okay, finishing in the summer. Okay, got it. Because you probably lost some credits in the transfer. Yeah. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay. So tell me, what have been your favorite classes? Uh, the classes you enjoyed most? I want to say, you said my favorite classes? Yeah, the classes you enjoyed the most. thinking right now, classes that I enjoyed the most, I'll have to say, the ones, to be honest, the ones that I have to do the least, the least homework. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, what class have been the ones that have the least so for? Um, I'll say I'll say classes like health. Mhm. Okay. What else? I mean, this is this is kind of a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Not a not a bunch of them, but like quite a few. Okay. The, class, the classes that challenge, but it's it's kind of the funny thing is the classes that challenge me the hardest are the ones I did better in. So it's kind oh. of yeah, I'm kind of weird like that. Well, so maybe just maybe your favorite classes have actually been your hardest classes. You just didn't know it. <laughs> I'm glad that you to rise to the challenge. Yeah, I I, I found that. I found that out that I, I, I work better with my back against the wall. That's what all my um, that's what all my uh, teachers say. That's what that's what my professors say. Like my um, my advisors, they all say that. Well, good because that's what the that's what the NFL is, man. If you're coming out of Eastern Kentucky, you know, and you're a guy that made his way up there from JUCO, and you've got a name, they're gonna butcher terribly. They're not gonna be able to say your name right. 
Now, what did, when you first got to East Kentucky, what, what did people call you? Well, people try to make up all type of names for me. Uh, I, I wasn't really trying to go for them. I didn't really like them. You know, okay. Like, they, they always had problems saying my last name or, like, spelling my last name, putting hyphens in it. Like, people would call me <laughs> Luther Jean, Luther Louise. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry to say Americans struggle uh, with anything other than the names they're used to. That's what I've noticed. Um, but, yeah, so how long did it take them to finally get your name right? or start getting your name right? Mm, I, I could barely tell because sometimes they still can't tell my name right. <laughs> oh, okay. So so two years in, they're still struggling, huh? Still struggling. I mean, some people get it, man. But, like, I, I don't mind when they call me, like, Luda Jean, you know. Like, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't really take my – I don't take no offense to it. Oh, okay. Okay. You've, you've made the adjustment. You've gotten used to it. Yeah. So when you're making the transition from being a guy who almost, as you said, ended up walking on uh, to finding your way here to, as you said, literally the last possible moment to Eastern Kentucky, to from a guy who's being a 208-pound defensive end, uh, now you, you make the adjustment, you put on you know 15 or whatever pounds, you're used to playing with your hand in the dirt. So making the transition is that last year, your senior year. What were some of the things you wanted to accomplish, some of the goals that you set for yourself going into that final year? Just, just knowing how to play the, play the position the right way, you know. Um, instead of just making plays with my athletic ability, just, I, wanted to, I wanted to, like, like I always, playing linebacker, I always understood the game you know, from an X's and O's standpoint, knowing where everybody got to be and, and you know, making plays like that, also using my my athletic ability while defensive line, you know, it's not much thinking. You could just kind of do whatever you want to make the play. But I learned that the, the great ones, you know, the guys that did it at a higher level, you know, there's, there's some thinking to that position too. It's not always just bang, bang, make a play. And I had to like, I like it took me a while to figure it out, but you know I, I put it all together like watching watching people's films, you know, studying with my coaches, um, you know, like even guys like Noah Spence, like I was always watching his film from when he played at Eastern Kentucky, like learning his pass rushing techniques. Um, some of the stuff I couldn't even emulate because it's just not my, it's just, it just wasn't in my nature to do. You know, I had to figure out. I had to figure out what worked best for me. Um, I, I took a, I took bits and pieces from almost everybody you could think of. Like I watched, I watched the Hanson Riddicks. I watched Vic Beasley. You mm. know, like I watched people that's probably like un, I watched Leonard Floyd. Like people that's kind of built like me. That's somebody, uh, yeah. So I could people, see because you yeah, are very much better. Yeah. Yeah. People that's kind of like can be considered undersized to play D-line, like, and I'll just watch them, and I'll be like, how, like, how is he doing it? Like, how is he doing that at a high level? I'll ask myself that, you know, take notes while I'm watching their films, and then just try to emulate that into my game. If not, make it better. Okay, and you said you're, you're, you're playing a game like another seven or so pounds? Yeah, I plan on gaining, yeah. So you'll be 
eventually up to about 240, you're Yeah, that's the goal. Somewhere somewhere between 235 and 240. Okay. Max. Yeah. Now, At least on pro day. Gotcha. And we're going we're gonna to get into that in a moment. So take me into this season. Um, as you said, you set some goals for yourself. How do you feel like you you did accomplishing the goals or, or hitting the goals that you set going into this season, looking back now on your last year? Um, I kind of I kind of did exactly what I said I was going to do. Like, I, I kind of spoke – our coaches uh, had us do this thing where we, we, set, we set our goals for ourselves for the season. So, in a way, I kind of spoke it into, into, the, into existence by saying that, like, I was going to be one of the best players in the country in the conference, I said I was going to get ten plus sacks. Um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of hit my marks. I feel like I could have did a lot better, knowing what I know now. Like, cause each week I was, I was kind of learning. Like, you know, I was still learning, like how to like retrace when I, when I get so far up the field and stuff like that. Um, like, uh, I even, I, I even left, left a couple sacks on the field that I wish I could get back, but that's just part of the process. Um, okay. But at the same time, at the same time, I still did what I said I was going to do. And we, I was talking recently, you know, earlier today, in fact, uh, just around the time you came on about moves, setting up moves and what your favorite moves are. So let's, let's deal with this. So obviously you're not a guy who's going to overpower a lot of people. Not to say you don't have power, but that's not really your game. As you said, even talking about Noah Spence, he's he's built differently enough from you and has grown up differently enough from you as a player that he was mm-hmm. going to approach beating a guy differently from what you would. You mentioned Leonard Floyd, he's a little bit more like you. Uh, yeah. Sort of a gutsy, you know, flexible guy, quick guy, with you know, some power, but not you're not gonna consistently throw three hundred pound men around. That's not your game. So tell me about your approach. You know, how is it that you beat guys? When you look at a guy on tape, what is it you're looking for, and how do you figure out how you're going to beat him? Well, off the off the vert, I already knew. I knew speed is always going to be my friend. You know, mm-hmm. I remember one of my um, my D line coach telling me that in in uh, at JUCO, uh, Tony Anderson. He played for the Cowboys back in the days. And uh, he used to, I remember him always telling me that speed's your friend, speed's your friend. And um, some of the things I picked up from Noah was his hands. Uh, like I liked how he used his hands. His hands were always moving. He was always putting them, in, putting them in the right spot, you know. And for his size, he beat people with speed a lot. So I learned, I, I learned to use my speed, the power, you know. And I kind of. You know, I'm not the strongest guy in the world, but I kind of like I say I surprise a lot of offensive linemen with my power by the way I use it. Cause I will, like, I like I like like I said I'll you know combo it up with some speed and then to power they'll be surprised at you know the the kind of punch that I'll deliver with my hands. And that's that's kind of what I got. That's kind of what my thing was just speed to power all the time and. When it came down to just using straight speed, you know, I, I kind of set him up with like a, you know, hesitation move, and just beat him with just nothing but speed. Gotcha. 
Like it's kind of it's kind of hard to explain because like like it's like a mind game when it comes to that. Like sometimes you go speed to power, sometimes you go speed to speed. Sometimes like you gotta just straight up go in the phone booth with the guy, even if even if you're not gonna necessarily out you know outmatch him, but you gotta like throw him off, make him think that you're not gonna always go speed speed. Sometimes you know hit him with a counter move, counter move okay. back inside. Right. Now, some people are really big on, you know, club and rip. Some people are big on that long arm. Some people like to stab and rip. Some people are, are chop and rip. Some will uh, spin and ice pick. Some people will chop and spin. What are, you, what are your favorites, you know, the things that you really like to throw at a guy? You're, yeah, I like, especially... I like, I like, hmm? yeah, I, I like the uh, stab and lift and, and then swim over the top. Stab and lift, and, mm-hmm. and rip under. Stab and lift. Uh, throw you, you know, get leverage back inside. Um, fake, fake the stab. Spin back inside. Mm. Uh, speed chop. I kind of, yeah. I kind of learned that, like, you know, just progressing through the season. Like there was, there was a lot of moves. I there was some plays that, like, I made just. Literally learning that week, like I, I, I'll probably seen somebody watching a highlight, seen somebody do it on YouTube, practice it that week in in practice, and then try it in the game, and it worked for me. Sometimes it wouldn't work, it wouldn't work clean, cleanly like the person did it, but like by the third week of me practicing it, you know, I, I felt like I got it down pat, and then I'll just do it in the game, and it'll work. Um, to uh, learn, learning, uh, learning how to like attack, attack alignment, like attack alignment's shoulder, stuff like that. Like I didn't even know about until like just watching film, watching, watch, studying a lot of people. Like Noah Spence did that a lot. Learn, learning how to like club a hand, club a hand, club and rip. Yep. Yeah, I, I saw you start to use that in the last half or so of the season more with club and rip, which I didn't see you use much at all last season. But I see how you start to was that something that you started to work on in in like the between the two seasons, or when did you start to really put that in your game? I want to say like probably probably around like yeah, like mid the middle of the season started practicing that move. Took me a while. I, I actually was trying to. I was studying that move for a long time. I just couldn't figure it out. But like when I started practicing it more, practicing it more, and then figuring out where to put my hands, when to put my hands, and how to set up the move, then I started, you know, using it in the game. Because my coach always said, "Don't use a move that's not for you." Like not everybody could. Not everybody's a spin guy. Not everybody's a a club and rip guy. You got to find your move. Like my move was always was the stab, and then I had to work off of that. What could I do from what could I do with a stab? I gotta learn how to, you know, set up the stab in a, in three different ways. Like stab, rip, stab, slip, stab. Um, you know, drop my shoulder and and, and you know, spin back inside. Yeah, I I like how you you figure it out. And like I said, you I mean I'm not gonna lie, you were not super developed when I first started watching you. But still, you were fun to watch. I mean, 
even when you didn't seem to know exactly what you were doing, you always gave guys trouble, even when your technique was a little off. When you started to get your technique on, I was like, oh, man. And <laughs> if you get good coaching from this point going forward, you're going to be troubled. Appreciate that. Yeah, and of course the weight. Um, now, obviously, you know, as you said, you, you didn't always work as hard as maybe you could. Where do you feel like you are now in terms of the weight room and and your work ethic and your body, even in terms of uh, lifting? Well, look, let me rephrase that. When I when I said I wasn't working hard, I meant that that was just that that year that I took off from um, right. from playing. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Since then, I could tell it in your, once again, your body is still, you mean you're not 208 pounds anymore. You've clearly done some work. But I yeah, mean, from this point forward, you've clearly, you know, put some work in. Tell me where are you now in terms of how, where you'd like to be and what are some of your accomplishments you've had in the weight room? Um, I was always, I was always pretty strong, like adequately strong for my size, like stronger than most people would think, like, like I know, like coming up to the line, looking like how I look, being two hundred and twenty-five pounds, two hundred twenty-three pounds. Like you know, a lot of a lot of linemen will always think that they could throw me around, or you mm-hmm. know, think it would be an easy matchup. But you know, I always I always show different. I, I think my power was always a surprise to them. Like I feel like I was always pretty strong. I was probably one of the strongest. I want to say like on the team, all around. When it came to like you know benching, cleaning, and squatting and stuff like that, surprisingly okay. though, like, oh, it, was something, it was something that you know people wouldn't expect. Take me through that. What what are your records uh, that for yourself the in the weight room in terms of bench and clean and squat? What what were your best numbers? Well, the most the most I squatted at EKU, like I didn't do too much because because of injury was only four thirty five. Cause I did 465 in high school, so I never really found out my true max. Um, okay. Slow down. Hold on. So when you were like a 205 pound high school kid, you managed to squat 465. Yeah. Okay. So you should be able to become a 500 plus pound guy just by getting in the weight room and. So you you, you know being able to consistently be in there. So we, especially when you're getting close to 240 pounds. You just haven't had a chance to do that yet. Basically, yeah. So, like, I, I like right now, I still feel like I got, you know, a lot more room to make up for. Like, that's that's why I, I always felt like that at East, uh, at Eastern Kentucky because that year that I took off, I always felt like I got to work ten times harder to get back where I want to be and where I need to be, and and excel from there. Like, I always felt like I was starting from behind the starting line, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I like, so yeah, I, I finished. I benched uh, three seventy five over there, and that was the most I ever I ever touched on the bench bar. Um, and you have yeah. long arms, so that's that's very impressive for a long arm guy to be able to do at two hundred twenty three or two twenty five or whatever. Okay. And what about uh, power? Uh, your uh, your power clean numbers. Power clean. I did three hundred pounds. Okay. Once again, for a guy. Built like you, that's that's a solid number, and you probably could get another twenty five to forty pounds by getting a little stronger, obviously, and work continuing to work on technique. Yeah. Okay. Now, where are you working out now? Where are you preparing? 
No, I'm, I'm actually in Pennsylvania now, working out with uh, Terry Grossetti. Oh, okay. Now, yeah. how did you find them, or how did they find you? I found they. Well, I found them through my agent. My agent sent me up with them, and oh. the, the experience has been. You know, I couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, I feel like I'm getting stronger, faster, better every day. Getting okay. he- heavier. Okay. And in terms of hearing from, you know, as you're making your way through the season, usually somewhere late October, early November, you start to hear maybe from some all-star games. Uh, tell me about that. When did you start to hear from all-star games, and how did you decide what opportunities you wanted to accept in terms of postseason all-star opportunities? To be honest, my, uh, my coaching staff was kind of brand new to the game, so I don't know if that had anything to do with me hearing about All Star games and stuff, but I didn't I didn't really hear about anything till the end of the season. Like oh, okay. My, yeah, my head coach was like that was his first time when I got there. That was his first time ever being the head coach. Uh, oh. To my staff, like I think that was their first years ever coaching and stuff. So that was like an adjustment itself. Got it. Okay. So. Working from that, what did you? So it, for you, it wasn't really in the season. Who did you hear from, and what were the opportunities you you heard about in terms of, of postseason play? I'm sorry, like we uh, you're talking about with like NFL right. teams. Yeah, who, well, or talking about in terms of we'll talk about NFL teams in a moment, but in terms of did you hear from like Tropical Bowl or FCS uh, Senior Bowl uh, or? What were some of the games? Uh, there was this one game, the Dream Bowl. Dream Bowl, um, okay. Um, there was another game. It was a city, not a city gridiron. It was a gridiron showcase game. College gridiron showcase. Yeah. Then um, there was another one, too. I can't quite remember right now. But okay. it was about two or three all-star games. Okay. And how did you decide what you wanted to do in terms of those opportunities? Um, I, I mean, I looked it over with my agent. I, did, I decided not to do any. Okay. And yeah. so, what was uh, the to, basic? Like, to be honest, to be honest, I, I kind of like I kind of injured my wrist at the like the last game of the season, and then you know I wanted I wanted to give myself my give, give myself some time to heal and get that right. Instead of trying to go out there and, and, you know, be extra and, you know, try to, like, I, I was willing to be a competitor, but the, the safer thing to do was to, like, let myself, you know, get get my, my wrist back 100%, which it is now. Okay. And just get ready for pro day. Got it. Okay, so you injured your wrist. Was it like a, a sprain or a jam or what happened in the last game there? Um, I don't know what happened to it, but all I remember is it really being swollen and everything, and I had to wear a brace. I want to say I, it was like a high spring. Okay. I didn't Got have to it. get any surgery or anything like that, but I just needed right. some t- some time for it to heal and do some therapy. Okay. And now you're back 100%. Yeah. Excellent. So, obviously, your pro day is, is it a March? Uh, what day is your birthday? March 23rd. 23rd. March 23rd. Okay, got it. And 
what are the goals you set for yourself? What are some of the things you, you think you might accomplish at your pro day? Uh, just surprising, just surprising the scouts with like the versatility that I have. Um, I feel like I showed some of that on my on my film, playing some some ex linebacker, you know, on 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 certain down on third down sometimes, but I didn't get to show it enough because uh, one of our DNs got hurt around like the third game of the season, and then I couldn't really like, you know, move from defensive end to linebacker and play that position again. So. I had to become a full-time defensive end, so I want to display and showcase that, you know, I'm real versatile in the secondary. I could, you know, open my hips, drop back in coverage, cover a lot of ground. Um, just, just pretty much just show how much of an athlete I am. Like, I'm not just a defensive end. I could do, I could pretty much kind of do it all. And, and also, like, show, show how strong I am because not a lot of people think, you know, like, the way I'm built, I probably don't look strong to a lot of people. No, I mean, you're 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 a little smaller than Brandon Marshall, right? If you want to just put it in perspective, Brandon Marshall is 234 pounds. So, you right. know, you're going to a place where there's wide receivers who are bigger than you are. Exactly. Right? Calvin Johnson was 237. I mean, there's – now, luckily, those guys don't come along very often. There's not a lot of guys like that. But there's yeah. a few. <laughs> exactly. But, That's why I want to. I want to show that I could bench with you know some of the strongest guys. Yeah, well, that's that's impressive. So if you knock out like what twenty, what are you thinking? Twenty four, twenty three. What do you think you might be able to do in terms of reps at two twenty five? Twenty plus. Aiming okay. for like aiming for like twenty three. Okay. And what do you think you might be able to run in the forty? Uh, my goal is to run a four or five and better. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's pretty shit, pretty decent. Um, what do you think you might be able to do in the vertical? Uh, I'm not quite sure yet, but the highest I jumped at Eastern was 34. Oh, okay. Well, guess what? That was my personal record back in the day. Of course, I was nowhere near as big as you. <laughs> That's That's still... That's getting it done. There's nothing wrong with 34 inches. And... Um, what about uh, short shuttle three cone? Have you been working on that as well? Yeah, I've been working on that as well too, but I haven't been getting my times. So I just know that my technique, my technique helped me shave off a lot of time though. Okay, got it. Uh, and let's see. Uh, let's see. So. And uh, you're going to do both linebacker and and some pass rush drills, I'm assuming. Yeah. Got it. Right, because obviously they're going to see you do both, and they're needing to figure out exactly what what you're going to be at the next level. I'm sorry. And that again. I was saying, in terms of figuring out what you are at the next level, what. What do you see yourself as? What do you think you are in terms of what kind of player, what kind of position? Like, where do you think you'll play? Well, I don't know where I'll play, but I know I'm willing to play whatever they want me to do, you know, whatever they want me to play as. But okay. I feel like I'm I'm a natural outside linebacker. Well, outside linebacker, linebacker, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, 
You know, okay. if, if they want me to throw my hand in the dirt and, and become 250, 260, then I'm, I'm with all of that, too. Okay. You think you could actually get up to 250? Yeah, without a question. Okay. Okay. I mean, you have a long frame, and obviously you there's room, you know. <laughs> I just don't know if you might have too fast a metabolism to be able to because you said you were too, I knew you were thin at first, but I didn't know you were too away when you first got there. Good Lord. My gosh. I mean, to put it in perspective, Michael Jordan finished his career at 214 pounds. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Hey, making that adjustment was really, really crazy. You know, going yeah. against guys that's literally 100 plus pounds more than you. Every single day in practice, every single day, you know, during the game. Looking like an NBA two guard. Woo! Yeah, well, you made it. You survived. Well, yeah. it has been impressive. Impressive watching you develop and grow and um, become what you are becoming. So let's talk about that next level. You're about to take the, the biggest jump. Now, you have some guys that have made that jump before. So talking to some of the guys that you've known, some of the guys that, you know, have known you that have made that jump to the NFL, what have they told you? Your friends, the, you know, guys um, you played with? Well, I don't have too many friends or, like, links that's, you know, people that's in the league. I, like, I really know two that I could say that I honestly know and that I'm close to. And... You know, but going back to like now, now that I'm thinking about it, like going back to like people that I know that that's been in the league, and you know, like that's kind of like mentored mentored me in a way, like my coach uh, at junior college, and like you know, guys that probably we I, I spoke to probably for about ten minutes or so. Um, just mm-hmm. going off of all of that, um, I want to say just just being ready to compete. That's one of the things that uh, was emphasized. Um, you know, being coachable, uh, always trying to always trying to have an upper hand on your competition by by whatever it is, rather studying, working harder, if not all of those and and more. You know what I'm saying? Um, always always being be always being on your toes, just trying to trying to have an advantage by any way any way necessary. And mm. again, just being ready to compete like at all times at, at everything. In the meetings, in the in the um, on the field, of course, right. In, in every aspect, just gotcha. and, and and the game is is more mental than it is physical, because yeah. you know, like you said, the guys that have uh, a lot of talent in the world that could that could have still been playing in the NFL or you know mm-hmm. could have been great great players, uh, a lot of them fell to the mental aspect of the game or the business. I want to say. You know, yep. um Yep. So that that's something I always keep in mind. Like like even even like you guys not being able to like you know, keep in contact with me to, you know, get get on time for a meeting at two o'clock interview, like no matter what the excuse is or whatever it is, like I gotta always make sure I'm on top of my game, like and that's something I'm working on every single day. And, you know, I, I just you know, I I take that thing seriously because like that's kind of some of the things I felt. Those are like some of the pitfalls I fell in, like coming out of high school, you know, going into like junior college, and then making that transition into even Eastern Kentucky, where that's even emphasized even more. 
you know, like being on time all the time to everything, you know, and um, just just making sure that like I, like I do good business. As my coach will always say, do good business right. all the time. That's good advice. So my final question, my world famous final question. So I'm going to spin you forward in the future. I'm going to take you about four four years and change into the future after the. You finished the season of your, you know, fourth year in the league. You finished out your rookie deal. You bounced around a little bit. You know, you spent a year being on practice squads, getting dropped, and picked up, and cut, and brought back. You know, being yo-yoed around. You know, not really having a home for a while in the NFL. I think it might take you a while, but I think somebody is going to see what I see. See your talent. You're driven. Uh, see how hard you're willing to work. See, as you said, you're willing to do whatever it takes on special teams. You're willing to do whatever it takes in terms of learning a new position if you have to, learning to play as a 4-3 Sam linebacker, willing to play 3-4 outside linebacker, willing to play some D-end in certain situations, whatever. So finally you find a home. You settle in. And, you know, you begin to, to become consistently a player, a guy who's making plays. Uh, you mentioned Son Riddick. It's a guy I think you might end up playing somewhat like. Uh, you mentioned Leonard Floyd. It's another guy with whom you share some, some real similarities, not just physically, but in terms of strengths and weaknesses. And mm-hmm. like, like you, Leonard had some struggles, right? When guys got their hands on him, he got tossed around a little bit sometimes. Uh, but if they didn't get their hands on him, or if he didn't get their hands off, whew, I mean, just because he's bendy and quick, he's, he's trouble for those guys. And I think that's a similar situation. You know, you, you get stronger and learn how to keep guys from getting their hands on you because in the NFL, they let them hold uh, a little bit. Just so you know, they, I mean, they, they don't call all – they don't they call holding every time they could call holding. They'd be holding on every play. But uh, they, they only they only call the bad-looking holds. You know, if a guy holds you yeah. ugly, you get called. But if it's smooth, which is, you know, these are NFL players. They know how to make it look smooth. You know, they got a high side look to hide it most of the time. That's why they're pros. That's why they get all that money, because they don't want to hold food. So, yeah, in my mind, there's no, there's no holding calls. I learned that in the OVC, man. There's, there's, no, holding, there, there's no holding calls. If, if you've been studying my film and, and you've been wondering why my uh, jersey's always over my shoulder pads, you know, you know why. Right. So you, you, know the, you know what I'm talking about. Right, correct. Yes, very often. Uh, I think we've been joined also by our final guest of the evening. But I'll, um, if you just hold on for a moment, I'm fin- finishing up with uh, with uh, Ludo Jean Louis. So you already know. Good, you're prepared mentally, physically for that great challenge. So if when you they bring you back to Erasmus Hall, right, to celebrate you because you're now you're a successful NFL player, you're talking to the young guys about what it took and what things you learned, lessons you learned. And, letting them know challenges they might face, and they will show also a game from your career, right? A game that might best show the kind of player you were in your in your college career, uh, what you brought to the table in your time at East Kentucky. If you were going to show one play that you think best, or that's just I'll, I'll give it a whole game. You going to say a whole game, a whole game that you think best exemplifies the kind of football player you are and were. What game would that be? Um, see, I'm I'm thinking about the first games that came to my mind was 
I want to say the first very game of the season was uh, Western Kentucky. Like, mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to say that game, too, because there were still some things that I didn't learn to like the mid, you know, to mid season. And I'm thinking about my second to last game against Austin P. Um, where I had like three sacks in one game, but also made like a crucial mistake that I know far too well. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's something that like I repetition probably 500 times. And then the one time I didn't do it, you know, I got penalized for it, but. I want to say some. If I had to choose one, mm-hmm. I'll probably say the Western Kentucky game, just being the fact that, just being the fact that, um, you know, they they're, they're like FCS. I mean, I'm sorry, I said FCS, FBS, and um, right. being that my first, my first sack of the season was a sack fumble. Hmm. With with the move that I learned from Khalil Mack, watching his film, and then I implemented that into my game, and it ended up getting me my first sack of the my first sack of the season. Excellent choice. You can't do much better than Khalil Mack. <clears throat> and once again, that's a guy who's played linebacker and defensive end, and sometimes both. I mean, sometimes in certain situations, played standing up, played with his hand in the dirt. Uh, he's played Mike, he's played Sam, he's played the end. Uh, as you said, versatility is so important. That's a great guy to watch and so smart. Such a smart football player, as long as being a physical freak on top of it, but a tremendously smart player. So that's a good call. That's a Jean-Louis, good call. You mentioned some good names. I like it. Uh, so uh, for those ladies, gentlemen, if people want to catch up with you, uh, do you have a social media presence that is so people? Where would people go to find more information and follow you on social media? Uh, I, t- I have Twitter, Real Deal Lou, and um, Instagram, Real Deal Lou, same thing. Okay. And I see Aaron Tillers with us. You, you still holding us with Aaron? Yeah, I'm here. Excellent. Well, a couple of my favorite pass rushers um, who people don't talk nearly enough about. So I'm glad. I don't know if the two of you ever run across each other before, but. Uh, we're just finishing up with Mr. Ludo Jean-Louis from Eastern Kentucky by way of Brooklyn. Yes, sir. Excellent. So um, you're going to get an email. And, uh, Ludo, when you get that email, please just go through it. Some of the questions are similar to the questions we've covered here on the show. Additionally, please uh, attach a photograph. We'll use that in building out a profile, which goes into a series of articles I write called Blue, uh, Draft Blue Light Specials. Uh, that'll show up in Nuts and Bolts Sports. And then also um, I'm sharing some content, same information or similar information, but just a, a shorter form of it, uh, not a full profile or full article, but more like a, a list almost, which will have some of that same information will be showing up at a couple other websites. So it takes me about 24 or so hours, or 40, sorry, 24, about 48 or so hours once you get it to me, for me to edit and turn it back around. I will then send a link to you and or your agent or both of to the articles and, and to your profiles and things like that. Once again, for those who have not yet watched Mr. Ludo Jean-Louis, and I'm hoping more of you will, he's a guy who's still got, a, first of all, a lot of physical growth. So he's a guy I know could put on another 15 pounds, 20 pounds if he wanted to easily. He probably could put on six or seven pounds in a week if he wanted to. Uh, long, lean frame, 
very flexible, surprisingly strong, and a tremendous amount of, of potential to still get developed. But even as raw as he sometimes is, a guy who manages to produce, and I think there's more in, in the, you know, more in the pipe for him. And then of course we're going to transition now to Aaron Teller. So once again, Mr. Jean Louis, thank you for your time, thank you for your talent, thank you for your attention. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on the show, man. Oh, always a pleasure. Now we have him. We did it. Aaron Tiller. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm excited. Finally, I tracked down the, the, the rare Aaron Tiller. We've got him here. So you've been busy. It's a big time. A lot's going on. Um, for those who don't know what it's like to get ready for the NFL draft, what have you been doing? I mean, you ain't nothing. There's nothing but eat, sleep, and breathe, working out, just trying to pre- uh, prepare yourself to go out here and impress at least one team, and all I do is every day I work out twice a day, and all I do is eat, sleep, and football. That's it. So you really you lose track of time, days. Just really worry about one thing. Well, it's good practice because, as I'm sure you've been told by guys who are already in the league, that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be eat, sleep, football. Uh, you'll be either in meetings or in the weight room or in training rooms or in film rooms or yeah. in your own Sleeping. Uh, you know, the nightlife is for superstars, and even sometimes they get in trouble with that. But for a guy who's trying to fight his way into the league, either as a mid or late round drafted guy, you know, you might want to stay away from the nightclubs. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did my share, fair share party in college. I done got it all out. Okay. <laughs> Good to be here. So now you're ready to be a, a boring old dude already, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so take us back to the beginning. Where did your athletic career begin, and what were the sports you originally played? My athletic career began uh, playing basketball. I was a basketball player. Uh, I played basketball longer than I played football. Well, with me going to college football, I done got football by a year now, but I played basketball from the time I was four to my senior high school. You know, I was a point guard all the way up until my senior high school. That's when I my junior year is when I started to get big, and I just was out there for recreational purposes after that. That's okay. So, but you were a point guard, so that means you were a playmaker. You were a guy running the whole thing. Yeah, I always ran the show. I was a point guard, and then growing up, I played quarterback too. So There we go. <laughs> I know I a little something in you. So excellent. So tell, tell me about what that was like. What are some of the things you learned from playing point guard and playing playing quarterback that have helped you even as you've moved on, obviously, to different endeavors as an athlete? Well, just, just playing the position at a young age, I just learned how to become a leader. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I got my leadership traits from because I was always told that, all right, you're the point guard, so you, you run the show. You you with the team follows after you. And then when I was playing quarterback, like you you control the whole – you control how the game flows. So it's just – it's all on your shoulders. So me doing that, just getting that put on me as a as a young age when we used to be in practice and stuff and working out and all that and all my little league coaches and my dad was my basketball coach they always say point guards ain't supposed to be in the back when I'm running or or, or the quarterback can't be in the back when we're doing these sprints and all this you got to be leading so that always helped my work ethic and then me just transitioning as I got bigger I just never lost that. I always took the fact that I was the leader, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to lead this whole thing. Wherever I'm at, whatever team I've been a part of, I've always been the leader of some sort. Got it. Perfect. 
always been a team captain, always been a leader, always been always been a guy that people look to. Yeah. Well, you may already know this, but there are certain said, teams that's what they look for. They always put a little check mark behind guys who've been team captains or who guys who've been in leadership positions. They put a little check mark by you know, oh, you were an awesome Eagle Scout check mark, you know, that kind of thing. So good to hear. And for those who don't already know, tell me about where you grew up and, and some of the other athletes that grew up or or, or from your area. Well, I grew up in uh I'm from Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, I'm uh it's a it's it's a big football state. Ohio is basically, you know what I'm saying? I come from the same city as Le'Veon Bill, uh Taco Charleston, Jake, but uh we all around the same age. That's like my age group and Roosevelt Knicks, all of us is around the same age. We even came across each other's path a couple of times, you know what I'm saying, growing up. Yeah, it is just you got a big it's, it's Columbus is a big community, you know what I'm saying? And whoever makes it out of Columbus you got all eyes on you, you know what I'm saying? Like playing football, growing up, everybody just knows, like, as, as you get bigger and people start to see your name in the paper in high school and then they start to follow you to college, now you got people waiting to see your next move. Like, now people anticipate my next move. Where, where are you going to be next? What are we going to see next? You know what I'm saying? And, and you, got, you can't let people down, you know what I'm saying? You can't let these people around here that's looking up to you, these kids looking up to you, even if it's not football, they – you can't let this everything be your life. Uh, everything they looking at, you, it has to be positive. So if I didn't make it in football, I had to do something positive. That now I'm still out here in the community making some, making some shape for my name as not negative, giving them a reason to do negative things. You know what I'm saying? It's it's bigger than it's bigger than me around here in Columbus. You know what I'm saying? I I really look to giving back to the community and and be an example, trying to get kids out of the streets. So being from here doing this. I just really want to make a name for myself. Football or no football, I just really want to make a name for myself to give people a positive view. That's well put. And your high school, tell us about your high school and some of your rivals, some of the, the other schools that you guys most look forward to seeing each year. My high school, I played at uh, I played at two high schools. I played at Harvest Prep and Licking Heights. So Harvest Prep is a uh, is a is a private school, and Licking Heights is a, a public school. I transferred to Licking Heights my uh, my junior year because we had got at Harvest Prep we had got hit with some sanctions and stuff. But when we was at Harvest Prep, we looked forward to playing Licking Heights. Licking Heights was the rival, and then the fact that I transferred to Licking Heights just because it was the best opportunity for me academically and athletically. So. When I went to Lincoln Heights, we had a rival, Watkins Memorial, and uh, we looked forward to playing uh, West Jefferson every year because those was like the two big dogs. And Watkins was a, a out-of-conference rival. West Jeff was an in-conference rival. We looked forward to playing Harvest Prep because that was an in-conference rival. But it was it was the same every week for me. It don't matter who we playing. I'm going to put my hard hat on and I'm going to work. So actually played on both sides of the rivalry. Yeah. That, I think it's the first time I've ever had somebody who's had that experience. What was it like playing on the, the public school side and playing on the private school side of that particular rivalry? Well, I mean, it was it was, it was kind of, it was kind of surreal experience because the year before I had got hurt and 
just how much stuff I was talking about the other team. I was just trash talking at, uh, about the other the, the school I went to and transferred to. I was trash talking about them, man. Just because I, I I always lived in this area, so I knew everybody. So it wasn't nothing nothing stupid. I was just you know being being a kid talking trash and just hyping up the game from from the private school. And then when the stuff went down at the private school, and this was the only school I could transfer to, it was just like when I came over. I couldn't. I didn't really talk trash to my other teammates that I used to play with, but they had talked trash to me, and it was just like it was funny because I knew everything going on. I knew the playbook. I knew everything, and I just played as if I was playing. I, I listened to their calls, and I just jumped every call they made just because they didn't make any kind of adjustments for me over oh. there. And it was it was it was it was it was fun just to be over there and then just to play against all your friends you you get a rare chance to play on the field when you know everybody on the field you know what i'm saying like when you when you out there and you know everybody on both teams you know what i'm saying right you like John Gruden in super bowl um 41 i can't remember super bowl was. i know before that it was like you know, 2002 that's that's for uh 35, maybe? 35 or 36, but where he, yeah, so let's see, he knew everybody on both teams, knew all the calls, knew all the, yeah, so look at you. Okay, I'm going to open it up to my co-host, Kofi, if you have questions he might have, Mr. Aaron Tiller. Hey, Aaron, man, thanks for uh, getting onto the call. How you doing? I'm good, man. Um, so, a Columbus, Ohio kid, uh, I have to assume, um, uh, you wanted to play at Ohio State. Yeah, I always wanted to play at Ohio State. Um, if you don't mind, I share with Bill and myself what um uh, what happened? Did they even offer you a scholarship? Uh, coming out of Columbus, um I had got they had visited my school like twice and it was just I don't know what it was that I don't I just probably didn't impress them on the size because I came out of high school probably five eleven. 215, 16 pounds. So it wasn't a big, impressive. I didn't have an impressive uh, visual resume, but my. And when I went to their camp, I didn't work out at linebacker, and I just worked out at DN because that's what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to compromise myself at that age because I didn't have enough experience. I mean, I would have, but I didn't have enough experience as a linebacker to just go out there and do linebacker drills and no DN drills and I didn't have I didn't want to go out there and look clumsy and all this because I actually got offers from that camp at a defensive end position so it wasn't a it wasn't a waste of time it was but I got talked to by them and I mean that was a that experience was enough for me it's everybody's dream to go to Ohio State you know what I'm saying I even got Ohio State tattoo just because I'm from here so it's everybody's dream to go I'm always going to be an Ohio State fan I don't have no bad blood that I didn't get to go there but it is what it is so, uh, so there was an the opportunity to go there, but not at the position that you wanted to play. Well, they wanted me to. It was a. They wanted me to to work out at linebacker. You know what I'm saying? They wanted to see me play linebacker, and I've seen. But I was been playing DN from freshman year, senior year, and I just didn't want to go out there. And they wanted. That's what they wanted to look at me at. So I didn't know if it was a. I don't think it would have been an offer on the table or nothing. None of that stuff. But, that's where they would have, if I would have go there, that's where I would have been looked at as. And I was just like, there's no need to risk going out there and doing something you're unfamiliar with. Now, if I was to do it at this age, I can work out at anything because I played all of it. 
But at that age, I'm in the one dimension. I talked to everybody about it, and I didn't want to mess up my resume for other teams. You know what I'm saying? I have to respect uh, the fact that you stuck to what you believed in. Um, you know, change is inevitable throughout every phase of our life, and from what you tell us, uh, you decided that you wanted to stick to a position you felt comfortable at, and even though you had an offer another position, you didn't uh, entertain it. So um, how how was that as far as knowing that, hey, they wanted me at this position, but I don't want to work out at that position because I feel more comfortable at, at another position, and knowing that that would be probably your only opportunity to go there, how how was that? How was that time for you? Well, it was just it was it was kind of like uh, I don't know. It wasn't like I really didn't put a lot of thought into it because of the the way they were talking to me. I didn't feel like it was like a. I didn't think that was like it wasn't serious. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to go out there and just be another linebacker at the camp just because they come in here to see my size and it just I didn't want to be. I didn't want to waste no time. You know what I'm saying? I knew what I could do the best. I knew it was gonna give me an opportunity to do the best. Now, if like every a lot of teams just talked to me like they I don't I don't went there worked out at DN and just played played. When I went to camps, I just did all my DN stuff. And then after I was done with that, then they wanted to see. You know what I'm saying? Then they asked me if I would ever consider playing linebacker this, that, and the third. And that's that that shows me that they would take the time out to to want to work with me there. Like I didn't want to go out there and just get overlooked. You know what I'm saying? Now. Mm-hmm. As a kid, as a kid, as a seventeen, sixteen-year-old kid, if you go out there, now he can't do what you what you telling him to do, just because he he's uh, he has a lack of knowledge of or experience of even working through some of these stuff. You know what I'm saying? That that y'all got going on out here. Now you're not even gonna give him a chance. That's that's heartbreaking to a kid. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't want no bad right. with Ohio State because I love Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like a. I didn't want to go out there. I didn't want my feelings hurt. I, you know what I'm saying, as a as a young kid, I didn't want my my career wasted. You know what I'm saying? Because I had I got invited to a lot of camps just off of the Ohio State camp, and and that's how I ended up getting some of the offers I ended up getting at just because of what I did at the Ohio State camp. And and after that, after all the offers I didn't got, it wasn't even about football anymore. It was the ACT score that why I didn't go to anywhere bigger. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so before we get to that, man, I, I want to make sure I'm, I say this. Already in the first few minutes of the interview, I'm very impressed because you, you have a um, a very uh, mature presence about you, man, and that's very uh, commendable, man. So I definitely wanted to make let that be known to you. Um, you're strong in your convictions, um, which I think everyone should be when you work hard at something and, and you decided this is what you want to do. So I want to commend you on that as well. Um, two things. So growing up in Columbus, of course, it's a dream, desire, go to Ohio State. Didn't go to Ohio State. Um, and, you know, having at least an offer from Ohio State, I would say, is, is even significant, uh, especially with the uh, amount of respect that program has. So what are worthy of the schools? And I guess you kind of alluded to the ACC score. So, what other schools did you get offers from, um, in addition to Ohio State? Well, I didn't get offers from Ohio State. They just came and visited. That's clear. That other okay. Yeah, I didn't get offered from there. But I got offered by um, I got offered by Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, uh, uh, Kent State. Um, I got offered by ODU, 
Finley. These are D two schools. Uh, let me see, Finley, ODU. It was a couple, like couple more schools in that GLIAC conference. Um, I got, you know, of course, the Southern offer, and I was talked to. I, I had went to the uh, preferred walk on talks by Michigan and Illinois. Okay. So um, again, apparently uh, you didn't um, score high enough on the um, on the ACT exam. So who before um, you knew you weren't going you, before you knew you were going you ended up at Southern. What school did you think you were going to? And what school was you you kind of had your your heart and your mind set on attending? Western Michigan. It was Western Michigan was where I thought I was going to go to because they gave me my first offer. And then when I had some transpired and then the offer was no longer on the table. So after that, I just went into my senior year. Just now I'm blind to the fact because I didn't have no offers going in my senior year. Everything was pulled. Everybody was just talking. And then towards the towards signing day, that's when all my my phone started ringing. You know what I'm saying? And as a kid, like when I that's when I really got anxious and really started to get nervous, you know what I'm saying? It's coming coming around December. My I ain't got no one of the best players in Ohio, first team all Ohio, first team all of this, but I ain't got no offers, you know what I'm saying? Cuz you know the D2 schools don't pull the trigger unless you fully commit to them first. So it was just like a I was ready to to go down and it was just I didn't know what to do and then once something transpired and then my phone just started ringing and ringing and ringing. Now all these offers starting to come, these late offers, people starting to back out. And once I started getting them, everything started to settle down for me. I really could make a decision on where I wanted to play football. Okay, so uh, was Southern, ultimately you did pick uh, Southern. Was there another school that you could have attended, but you decided to go with Southern? I could have went to Kent State. I could have stayed at home and went straight uh, right up the road to Kent State. But when I visited Southern, my brother played there. And I've been there before, and then I just visited there. And then when I went, I just felt like, you know, when you go somewhere and you just feel like you're not a stranger, you know what I'm saying? You don't know anybody in the room, but everybody knows what you're about and where you are. You're familiar with folks, and they just everybody's just excited to have you. And it's like a, like, you know, some people make that false advertising when they want to recruit. And then when you actually get there, and it's the same same feeling, same surreal feeling, open with welcome arms. And they just make you feel like you you part of the family already. And I never felt like I was a part of something. You know what I'm saying? I always felt like I was together. I always felt like the team had my back from day one. And I stepped in there as a freshman to to when I left as a senior. So I always knew when I when I when I went to the visit when I left Southern to visit, I just knew that was the place I wanted to be. Well, uh, myself and uh, Bill Carroll, uh, the host of the show, we both have um, HBCU uh, experiences. And um, so uh, when you said, uh, you know, you mentioned the warm feeling, the welcoming, I, I mean, I, I think that's just part of the uh, HBCU culture. Although I know it's not uh, unique to it, I do know kids we spoke to that didn't go to HBCUs that, uh, you know, felt the same way. And, again, we always like to find out why you decided to go to a school, um, especially when you were very heralded out of your state. So, um I'm glad that uh, Southern University worked out for you. Um, fortunately, I'm about to tell you that the MEAC is better than SWAC, uh, Aaron. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> last time I checked, 
The first me act team I played, I beat them. You know what I'm saying? We won and know we the only team with a winning record against the me act. None of that. <laughs> nah, man, I um, I took it Norfolk State, man. And um, nah, I, the swag, you guys have been doing it for a while. So I much respect to that conference. You guys uh, just a lot of uh, great players and talents uh, in the NFL. So now you're at Southern University. Um, you feel like you're home. You said your brother played there as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, he played there. What position did he play, and uh, did he play professionally? He played D tackle, and he still he, he plays uh, arena league right now. He he left like a year before I got there, so I got there at fourteen. He left at thirteen. He okay, so uh, so you were so and so's younger brother, um, and uh, did the did the did the coaches uh, was the expectation for you to uh, at least match his uh, his level of play? Or exceeded? Was it there when you arrived? Well, the thing is, my brother, he was a he was a he was a kid with the with all the talent, but he was lazy and mm-hmm. he rubbed a couple of people the wrong way. So I came in there okay. with the with the uh, okay. So now he's gonna do the same thing. And with me and my right. brother, night my night day, well, he knows like he's the talker. He does all this and he plays. I'm the one that's I'm not gonna say nothing. I'm gonna work, and you're gonna see that I can play for my performance. And he was just a he was the role player. I was the leader type. You know what I'm saying? So it was a difference between me and him. But I had to come in there and change the culture. I had to create my own name. And that's when I went to Southern. When I when I got to Southern, I got sick of being. You know what I'm saying? You Trey Tiller's little brother. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm I'm not Trey. I'm Trey Tiller's little brother. But I, I got to own my own name. And you know what I'm saying? I, I want my own reputation. And that's what I created when I went down there. Nobody ever referred to me as Trey Tiller's little brother down there. If anything, they referred to him as Aaron Tiller's brother. You know what I'm saying? But it's the same. We got we got we we got the same respect down there, just in different ways. But I mean, they both know we was good football players, and it's just we didn't rub anybody like like we. Everybody loves us around the uh, community and and administration. It was just certain coaches he didn't get along with. With me, I was the next thing to the coach from the players. You know what I'm saying? So it was, that's how we we really took different paths, but got the same results out of Southern. Uh, the only thing he did differently was he got a ring out of Southern, and I got I got a lot of accolades. You know what I'm saying? So that's where we took kind of different paths. Okay. So, so with all due respect to your brother, uh, it sounds like you had to restore the Tiller name, uh, so to speak, right? Yeah, I had to create. You know what I'm saying? I guess he it wasn't he didn't he didn't really mess it up, but he he just. It's just Trey. Like, everybody knows how Trey is. You know what I'm saying? And when you try to relate, that's one thing I didn't like as a kid is trying to be, don't don't compare us. You know what I'm saying? We're not the same people. We're night and day. So when me going in there, when people trying to just make it seem like I'm going to be like him, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything that he did. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't like that. Like I'm not going to do what he did. Uh, I don't care who it is. I work with and everybody here. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if he was lazy. Don't have the expectation that I'm lazy because – it's not gonna work. You know what I'm saying? Me and my strength coach and me, my strength coach when he was there, they didn't really get along until till like afterwards. Like she didn't been the the woman. She was a woman. So after she'd been there for a while, then they started to get along. So she thought it was gonna be the same process with me. So when I came in, I wasn't her favorite. You know what I'm saying? When I when she left, I was one of her favorites. You know what I'm saying? Just because <laughs> how I work, what I do, and how I communicate, and just the simple things that I do. You know what I'm saying? So. It's we're night and day, and we do things differently, but we get the job done. 
Mm-hmm. Well, although I did not have an older sibling uh, play um, college or even professional football, I am a younger sibling, and I have I'm the youngest of my siblings, so I I understand. Um, and I, I actually think younger siblings turn out the best most of the time because of that. What you just said, you 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 always living behind someone's shadow, and uh, it's, I can speak for myself. Um, it's a fire that burns in me. Uh, to always prove myself and uh, not prove to people that I'm not who they might have thought I was, especially if they held me in a negative light, you know. So, um, I mean, that, I can tell you that, you know, that fire still is in me. Like, I, it's part of my personality. Like, I'm, I have no problem showing someone uh, that I'm not who they thought I was, you know. And it sounds like you have that same um, that same fire as well. Uh now, Southern is a historical, um, I mean, as I mentioned before, HBCU, and a historical program in regards to uh, the landscape and professional football. How, um, with such a rich history and culture at a school like Southern, um, is that something that, you know, you're reminded of every day? Uh, is the expectation very, very high because of the people who came before you and uh, and, and then I know you guys are rivals with uh, with Grambling down there. So how how is that whole uh, Southern culture and with the and with the rival with Grambling? Man, the culture like none other. You know what I'm saying? Everybody behind each other. Um, you know what I'm saying? We got a hell of a fan base and support from everybody. And just coming out, just coming out when you coming out of Southern, the pressure. I don't. I don't. I tend to take pressure off myself. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't. I'm not the one to compare myself to nobody. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm going to do me just just because it's me. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't care where I came from. I didn't care. Like, I don't care if I went to Southern or any other school. You know what I'm saying? Right now it's me, and Southern is tied to me. So I just have to represent myself in a professional way to put Southern more on the map than it's already been. And that's that's my only goal is just to come out here and represent my school and just show what I've been doing for four years and that I'm prepared to do anything and play with anybody. And just coming from from a culture as such, it, it prepares you for that. You know what I'm saying? When we go through at Southern, a lot of people, a lot of that's what people don't get, that what we do down there in the SWAC and the MEAC and HBCUs, period, what we do and how we produce compared to what y'all do and how y'all produce is different. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we go through things that, programs in this country I never imagined. Nobody in this country has ever, you know what I'm saying, when they, no FBS school has ever got to a game 35 minutes before the game, had to warm up, stretch and all that, and then play a whole game. Nobody, that's, that's surreal. Nobody in this, a lot of people in this country ain't, ain't came to the game and had 45 people in eligible 30 minutes before, I mean, an hour before the game, not knowing if you're going to play. You know what I'm saying? The lack of resources we got, you know what I'm saying? They, a lot of the people when I went to the when I went to the All Star games and seeing some of the stuff that some people at these big schools was complaining about, I was in heaven just because the lack of stuff that we get. I got more stuff at the All Star game than I got down there in four years in Southern, and and I'm grateful. You know what I'm saying? And it just goes to show that we get it out the mud and we still on the same stage. So it doesn't really matter what you do, and that's that's what the Southern culture creates for you because you go through a lot of stuff. It's Southern, you know what I'm saying? So if you make it out of Southern, you prepare for a lot of stuff, you know what I'm saying? And this this is just the next step. Cool. 
Um, so what? Um, I know you mentioned back in high school you, which 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 Bill and I thought was very interesting. Uh, you played for both sides of the rival in high school. So um, and then uh, from there, you um, ultimately ended up in Southern University, and uh, you know after the recruiting process and things of that nature. So from the moment you walked on the Southern until now, as you prepare for your next um, stage of your professional career, what, how, uh, in what ways have you changed and grown, and uh, some some of the things that will stick with you forever? Uh, some things that helped me grow. Um, I just I just mature. Like I just I learned I learned to 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 look at other people and and grow off of them. You know what I'm saying? I learned how to my biggest thing at Southern was for me to listen. You know what I'm saying? That was my biggest my biggest piece of improvement was my listening skills and it's just not just as a player, you know what I'm saying, as a person. And being at Southern, it just teaches you to be a better person. That's the only way you can become a better football player is if you're the best person that you can be. You know what I'm saying? You can't be uh you can't you can't give it all to football. You gotta you gotta open up to everybody, you know what I'm saying? And that's the only way being a better listener, just that allows you to accept coaching. That allows you to. Mm. to that's why. That's why I was such a good leader on the team because I can. I can listen to anybody on the team. You can come talk to me about anything, and that's that's where that's where I took that biggest step. You know what I'm saying? Because coming out of high school, if you wasn't like me, I don't want to listen to you. you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now I can sit down with with somebody that's not even from where I'm from. You know what I'm saying? Like we had a Mexican kicker on the team, and we had a heartfelt conversation. We have nothing in common. Nothing in common. We don't even have football in common. He kicked the ball. I try to, you know what I'm saying? I try to do other things. You know what I'm saying? That's not even, we don't even have that job. But we can have a heartfelt conversation now. We good friends. You know what I'm saying? And it's just becoming and developing relationships and allowing people to trust you by your listening. You know what I'm saying? Listening goes a long way. <clears throat> and it's just, and it helps you build relationships with, with people and your coaches and your teammates and, now I got relationships with people outside of football. Now I can help my teammates with something they've been struggling with just because I was able to listen to some of their struggles and I can help them in certain areas that they they they, they didn't know where to get the answers from now. And just the fact that I listened to them for 15 minutes or just the fact that I accepted coaching, now I didn't change a little part of my game that I have I never knew was wrong with it, you know what I'm saying? And just, it just allows you to do stuff. And another thing is not allowing myself to get angry, you know what I'm saying, angry quick. But I didn't show I was angry quick. I hold it inside, you know what I'm saying. And what I did now is just, now I just speak my mind, not in an aggressive way, not in a disrespectful manner. I just speak my mind. And then me speaking my mind and the fact that I developed a ear to listen, you know what I'm saying, that I didn't have in high school, that would keep me from getting angry because now I can accept opinions from everybody and, and I just take in and apply the ones that are best to me, you know what I'm saying, the one that will make my game grow the most or make me grow the most as a person. So that's that's what I can say I took for when I uh, left from high school to now. Okay. Yeah, you did mention um, you were able to um, play with different guys from different schools at, at some All-Star games. Tell me what All-Star games were that those – what All-Star games did you attend and were invited to? I went to the NFLPA. Uh, collegiate bowl. Okay. Was that the only offer you got? No, I could have went to the Gridiron Classic. And uh, okay. uh yeah, I could have went to the Gridiron Classic and the uh, 
the HBC Spirit Book. Okay. Now, um, we've spoken to many, many uh, prospects like yourself that played in bowl games in decline. So tell me, what was the decision for you to accept NFLPA and not uh, accept the other two? Uh, that, was the, that was the biggest. That was the biggest one on the table. You know what I'm saying? It was just at that point, I was just yeah, for the biggest All Star game I could get into, just so I could play with the FBS level kids. You know what I'm saying? And just to go out there and show that it don't matter where I come from. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's gonna get the same Aaron Tilly. So it don't matter if I'm at the FCS, FBS, Division Two, NAIA, D3, and D1. Everybody got the same. If you look at my resume from FBS, from when Georgia was number seven to when we played uh, uh, Port Valley, who's a D2, then we played NAIA school my freshman year. Everybody got the same thing. I got the same resume, and you can't separate me from none of it. So that was my biggest thing. I wanted to go in there and show that I can play with anybody, and I will play with anybody, and to go out there and to, to fight for a starting job against two kids that played uh, – FBS schools, they played at Power 5 and Power 5 conferences just to win a starting job against them. That just goes to show it doesn't matter where I come from. You know what I'm saying? It's this game got to get played. It's going to be between two lines and one ball is going to be in the field. This game got to get played regardless. Uh, you're listed at uh, 61256. Uh, when they were taking the measurements at the NFLPA, where uh, anyone mentioned any, uh, you know, anything about your weight? Uh, I mean, I didn't really get. I just they just labeled me as undersized. So, yeah, I don't know if it's height, weight. It really doesn't matter to me. Yeah, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't because one thing, uh, as long as I've been watching football, one thing that isn't measured and can't be measured is is heart. So, um, as long as you got that, you can always overcome quote unquote measurables. Yeah. What um? How was the experience in SOPA? Did you uh, learn? Because I know there's pro coaches there or people that have played or have been in the, in the NFL. So how was the, the coaching? How was the uh, the um, camaraderie with the fellow other guys that are also trying to get to the NFL? And uh, what did you take from that experience? Well, I took, well, when me going in there, it was just I really wasn't going in there to make any friends. So it was just like a, I was playing for, it was the first time I could play for myself. You know what I'm saying? So I really wasn't going there and making any friends, but just me being a person I am, I left and I, I made great relationships with a lot of people just because I tried that whole thing. It didn't work out, and I was just – it wasn't me just going out there being quiet, not socializing, not talking, not trying to help somebody with their craft. And that just wasn't me. That was wrong to me to step out there with. So I changed that as soon as I got out there after the first practice. So then with the coaching, the coaches are former players, and then a lot of them just – when they – it, it looks like they excite them when they see certain stuff that people do that reminds them of when they used to play or just see something in you that gives them uh, – that reminds them of how they were as players, just stuff like that. And they just excite – it sets off some excitement, you know what I'm saying? And it was when they really hands-on with you. A lot of us, was they were hands-on with us. And when I was trying to learn the playbook, my coach, uh, Coach Thomas, was he he helped me after, after that, you know what I'm saying, because – when I learned the playbook, I got I, I didn't have it all the way down after the first practice. So we went after, you know what I'm saying? When when I'm in an all-star game and I'm meeting after after all the dinners and stuff, it's 930 at night and I'm in the film room still, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't care it was an all-star game. I, I got to know this, you know what I'm saying? I, I need to know it as if I'm preparing for the championship, Bayou Classic. Because like, that's the only way I know how to play football is my best. 
So I wasn't going to go out there and just enjoy the experience of being in California, you know what I'm saying, talking to scouts and socializing. And if I get it, I get it. I get not, I want to master it, you know what I'm saying. And certain people, the way I – if I don't know what everybody else is doing, I don't know the defense, you know what I'm saying. So I didn't – I went out there as if I was trying to play another game with Southern, you know what I'm saying, but just by myself. So I just – that's the only way I know how to play football. And the, the experience was like none other, just going out there and getting to socialize and play with guys from all across the country. It was great. Well, I'll, I'll I'll share something personal with you, uh, Aaron. One thing I um, when I decided that I liked scouting and evaluating players, I realized part of that was because I like to see growth and maturation and development. And everything you said since you've been on this call uh, exemplifies that, man. And so I want to again commend you for how you've grown, matured, and us. Uh, it's still looking to get better each and every day. And that's, that's an awesome attitude, awesome mindset. And I know, um, you know, if you get that opportunity in the next level, man, you will definitely take full advantage of it. And that's, that's to me is the difference between people who succeed in the NFL and people who don't. I mean, number one, you got to get the opportunity. Number two, it's what you do with that opportunity. So uh, I know Bill Carroll is chopping at the bit, uh, Aaron, because I don't know if, You've been told uh, Bill has – I think he has more questions than you have answers. So uh, I hope you got a bottle of water or a glass of water or something next to you because, uh, yeah, man, you're you you, you in for, you're in for a treat, man. So, hey, Bill, uh, hopefully I get a chance to ask him some more questions before we conclude. You, but, uh, you will. Nah. The, the, treat, the treat is mine. I love his approach. <laughs> I love this right. approach. Now, Absolutely. you mentioned something. And that's clearly something that changes as you progress as a player. Tell me when you first started watching tape early in your career, how you used it, and then how that changed to where you are now and you're becoming more of a student of the game. How did watching tape change you as a player? How did watch, uh, well, tape changed for me as a player when, you know, growing, coming into college, when I started watching it, I was just, I wanted to see what I did good. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to see I mean, – or I wanted to see just me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to look at nobody else. I didn't want to see what I did bad. I didn't want to – I didn't want to look at none of that. I just wanted to see, okay, I made this play in the game. All right, let's go to that one. And say, let's watch this. All right, I ain't going to pay attention to film until they put this play up. You know what I'm saying? So I get uh, commended for the coaches. Now, I don't want to see the plays I did good. I know I did good on that play. Or the play I did good on, what did I mess up on? You know what I'm saying? What did I, what did I do bad on? What did I? Uh, why? Why did I take? Why did I take so long to get there? Why did it take so many steps? Where's my ankle at? Where am I lined up at? You know what I'm saying? It's, all right. Why didn't he make the play? What did he do wrong? You know what I'm saying? Did we play the same position? He on the opposite side. What did he, you know what I'm saying? It's just it's certain things that that transpire. Gotcha. Okay. And thinking about film study and what it shows you, what it helps you to do. Tell me about a play that you made, a play that you made because of something you saw, maybe a tendency you spotted or something about a particular formation or motion. Tell me about a play that you made because of film study. Uh, that's a lot of plays I made because of film study. It's just a lot of my opening okay. plays come out because of film study, and I can see I know some tendencies of some play callers or, or like certain sets on tackles. I know when I can spin. I know 
I know when I can dip. I know all of that just because of film study, and I can I can feel it. So it'll be my last play. Well, my last play on uh, Mumford in Mumford Stadium when I got the sack fumble. Uh, I I study his every move. You know what I'm saying? As I knew that was going to be the game that's going to put us in position to play for the swag title. I studied that tackles every movement, and I knew that I've been spending. I spent all night. You know what I'm saying? And I watched him. I watched him play against a spin move. So when he played against my spin move, I, I watched how he he react to certain things. So then once I I watched how he would play if he wanted to jump a spin move. So my last play, I knew he was gonna try to jump the spin move because I've been doing it all night. And so when I do the chop, as if I was gonna do the spin move, and I just drop my shoulder all the way down to the ground. You know what I'm saying? Keeping me balanced, and I was able to recover and hit the quarterback, sack fumble, just because I knew certain things he was going to do. Now sack fumble for the game. Okay. And you mentioned, obviously, your array of moves. And that's what I think is most impressive about. So we've got a nice little sandwich of pass rushers today, right? Um, two guys who are sort of uh, more kick-bodied and powerful, sort of beginning the game with the day with, uh, with T-Sims and ending with you, and then in the middle, the sort of meat in the middle was the lanky Haitian. So now we come back to another guy who's sort of a, a, a thicker, more powerful guy. Obviously, your pass rush moves are influenced by what works against the other team, uh, what your responsibilities are, and, and even down in distance and things like that, as well as what works best with your own body. Who are the guys you like to watch? Who are the guys that help you to perfect your game or that you find enjoyable? Or, like I said, maybe those are the ones that remind you of yourself when you watch uh, I watch. I grew up watching Robert Mathis, Dwight Farini. Um, mm. I watch Ron Miller. I watch uh, uh, Ron, Dwight Farini, Robert Mathis. Uh, those are who I really pay attention to. I just started looking at Jerry Hughes and saying just – Seeing people that's around the same size as me and doing what I do is just it just goes to show that it doesn't matter how big you are, you know what I'm saying? It's right. a certain thing I like to do. But I mean I watch James Harrison too, because that's a lot of that's a lot that's the thing people don't know about me. That is I'm probably gonna be one of the strongest guys on the team. Like people don't know that I'm strong a lot stronger than what I look like. It's just that's one of my – I just like getting open look because it just sets you up for anything. And let's get into that. I mean, obviously, the weight room is it's where football players are, are made, you know. God creates them, uh, but the weight room defines them. So tell me about your experiences in the weight room. Uh, when did you first start to get really serious about hitting the weight? Uh, my junior year when I when – I, uh, my junior year when I took the year off basketball. Okay. And it's helped you, obviously, to, to get stronger. It's helped you to get mentally tougher because, you know, getting through pain. I mean, let's be honest. You know, if you're lifting heavy, it, it, it's uncomfortable. But you learn to manage that and get through it. You learn things about your yourself that will come to play on the field. Tell me about your accomplishments, about what you're most proud in terms of the weight room. Uh, what are some of your personal records? Um, my bench record is 435. Um, my squat record is uh, my squat record. I think it's around like 520 or 515 around there. My biggest thing I'm, I'm most proud of is my um, my power clean. 
my power clean didn't come until I really didn't learn how to do it until I got to college. And that's a thing that Coach Corliss Fingers helped me with when I got there as a freshman because I used to just try to do the lift and I didn't know, I didn't have a clue of what I was doing. So she shut it down and basically made me learn the whole, whole new form, whole new way of doing things. She just basically shut it all down and I just had to learn a whole new lift. And then once I got that lift down, I got it up to like three, things like 345, something around there. So that's the thing I'm most proud of, my, my power clean, being able to do that. That's a good number. Uh, 345 is definitely a good number. And this is what's interesting, and I want to make sure we don't blow right past this. There's not too many college football programs that have a female strength and conditioning coach. Tell me about what that was like, because I think there's only three or four in the whole nation, and I don't know how long she's been doing it, but she may have been one of the first. Yeah, she she was it was I mean, it's just like it's just you going to, to, to it's like your mom in there, you know what I'm saying? When we was there she only we we got to be with her for two years. She went to uh uh Bethune Cookman, but it's just like it's a lot of things you can you can tell a man and it's just like certain things you can you can do to a man, but it's just like that woman she outer element but it's it's just like you know how you just got that different type of respect for your mother, you know what I'm saying? And it's just Mm-hmm. She's just like you. You have to. She got your back. She she'll break any man down. Like in that weight room, she will break you down. She'll make you feel like you aren't anything. You know what I'm saying? Just to let her know. Just to let you know if you come in there thinking that, oh, she a woman, we gonna push over her. Nah, she she will break you all the way down. And it was just like you develop a different type of respect for. Her. And then it's just like when you when she gets your respect, well, she's going she's not gonna when she get it. It's, I mean, not if she get it, it's when she get it, because she's gonna take it. You know what I'm saying? There's no if, ands, or buts about her having your respect. She's gonna have your respect. Then you just gotta love for her, just because it's like your mom in the weight room, and then everything she's telling you when it starts to work, it's just a different feeling. Like that. it was a feeling like no other to me. I, I love having her in the weight room. You know what I'm saying I got stronger, faster. It was just I was sad to see her go. She was she she helped me out a lot. It was just like having, like I said, like having a mom in the weight room. Now, do you know where she is now? She's a Bethune cookie. Oh, she's a Bethune? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so now she's in the MIAC. I, I'm yeah. going to actually try to see if I can at some point get it. I have a coach's show I do once a year. I'm going to see if I can maybe get her on. She'll be the first woman I've ever had on the coach's show, and I'm very excited if I can get her uh, for two reasons. One is it's funny because I didn't have – I've never had a woman's strength conditioning coach, but I did have a female – instructor when I was uh, in the military, and uh, we used to call her Sunshine, not to her face, uh, <laughs> ever, but she was the one we feared the most, you know? Yeah. There's, a, yeah, there's something different about when that person is getting on you. I mean, I could get yelled at for four hours by a room full of dudes, and after a while, it just kind of rolled off my back. But whenever Sunshine came around, I tried to make sure I was squared away because I never wanted her to have anything to say to me. She only had to give me one one time at the end of a run. uh, For some reason, I hadn't noticed that my poncho had come unrolled from my pack and was trailing behind me. And I, you know, I'm tired. I'm running, whatever. I'm thinking, you know, and I'm in a squad leader position at the time. I'm thinking, we we were like one of the first, my squad was one of the first to finish. We got through this, this timed run, feeling good. You know, got my guys out on the parade ground, thinking I'm, you know, I'm hot stuff. 
And she's looking at me like, why do you have a tail? I'm like, what are you talking about? She picks up my poncho. It's like, ah. Uh. So, yeah, it was a bad day for me. But, yes, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, um, she helps it to, to, to make you the player that you are. Yeah, she, she helped me. She, she, she did. She helped me a lot in ways she don't even know. Okay. So, was there a difference when you had a new strength? Was it a difference? I mean, it was a difference, but at the end of the day, the work had to get done. It was just like a, you know what I'm saying, you got that feminine feeling in the weight room with her there, you know what I'm saying? But it's still that getting your butt type work. But she, you know what I'm saying, right. after, you know what I'm saying, if you got on that, that good side with her, you know what I'm saying, she was a sweet lady, and it was just, it was cool to have her around. It was just like, because there's no other feeling like being around a woman, strength coach. But then when we got a man strength coach in there, it was back to the, uh, to the, uh, how you say it, just like a meaty weight room, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't no, no laughs, giggles. I mean, you had your fun, but it was just like a, it wasn't like, like when you put a woman in there, it's like a, more of a homey feeling, you know what I mean? Hmm. Got it. So, you're, as you said, you've been a team leader, a leader of whatever team you've been on going back to the time you were a child. What are some of the goals that you and the team set for this final season, this last ride that's just had? What were some of the goals, personal goals that you might have had, and then the team goals? Personal goal was just to be become, like I said earlier, the best person I could be this year. You know what I'm saying? That was my biggest thing. We read a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water, and it just it just preached on principles of developing yourself and following the process and just become, you can't be the best at your craft if you're not the best at yourself. And that was my biggest thing. And, like, and that book really spoke wonder to me because I got to be the best man I can be. You know what I'm I got to be the best former Aaron Tiller I can be to become the best football player that Aaron Tiller is supposed to be. And that was my biggest thing stepping into the season. Now, we really much, as a senior class, we pretty much uh, put that in the heads of all the other all the other kids on I me mean, and other players under us and just like leading them just by example and just, really trying to take it day by day, step by step. That was our biggest goal was take everything one day at a time. We're not going to look ahead. If it's Monday, we're going to look to to Monday afternoon. Then we're going to look to Monday evening. Then we're going to look to Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to take it step by step, day by day. We're not going we're not going to skip ahead. We're not going to look over nobody. That was our biggest thing. Okay. Got it. And you obviously, I mean, I'll, I'll just – I don't know if you feel like bragging, but I, I'll brag a little bit. You had a really important You had a really good year. Uh, you, I don't know how you grade yourself, but I gave you a good solid D plus in terms of I think you only had a couple of games where you consistently dominate, you know, the man that was in front of you. And you played some pretty good tackles this year. Who would you say were the best offensive tackles you faced in your career? Faced in my career? Yes. Um, the uh, best one in my career was probably. Oh, that's a hard question. That's a hard question. I played. Uh, the one from South Carolina State. You was pretty decent this year. Uh, number fifty-one. Uh, let me see who else was there. I really can't. It's it's hard. It's hard. You people would think the tackles I played at Georgia was probably the best ones, and I don't think so. I don't think they were. 
some of the best tackles I've played. I think yeah, it's hard, man. I can't even. I don't even know. I don't even know. I have to really. Well, I have to go back and watch just to see see who the best one was. Like one on one was probably best one on one. Probably was probably left tackle from La Tech my sophomore year. But it's just like when I grade people like that, it's just I don't know because they were seniors and I'm a sophomore, so I don't know how to be if I lined up with them as a senior on senior. You know what I'm saying? And you mentioned, obviously, your experience at NFLPA, and I've had the experience of covering that game before in the past in beautiful Carson, California. Now, they, I think they moved it. They did. They moved it. Actually, it was in the Rose Bowl this last year, right? Yeah, yeah. played the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Um, when I covered it, it was at the Step Up Center. But I'm assuming this is your first time ever being in the Rose Bowl, correct? Yeah. It is a beautiful, older building. Um, yeah. It's sort of out of the way. Um, for people who aren't familiar with Los Angeles, it's not right cheek by jowl. I mean, that's a nice trip from L.A. to Pasadena to get to it. But, yeah, that's about uh, 25 minutes. Yeah, yes, if you're lucky. Yes, if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About with, the, with the traffic, it's about 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, uh, exactly. Right, right. That's what I was about to say. Uh, but it's in a beautiful part of the area. There's mountains in the background. It's pretty oh, as yeah. all get out. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about your experience in the NFLPA game. Tell me about some of the coaching you received, and who were some of the players that caught your eye? Um, just some of the, the coaching was just, like, really hands-on. It was just, like, I was really, like, learning from them just because they were players, you know what I'm saying? Some of them weren't even that much older than me. So it was just, like, really learning from, like, big brothers type stuff. Like, and they were just really helping us in certain ways, just certain things, adding certain things that they to our game, giving us some of the things they used to do or – or doing still now, uh, just to see if it, it'll work in your arsenal. It was just really hands-on to see them to come out and help us with certain things that we were doing. And it was the, the coaching was like none other. Some of the players, um, you talking about like some of the defensive players, offensive players. Yeah, which well, was, but usually, I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously, for you, it's different because you're there trying to get coached up yourself, so you don't have time to really scout out players. But even but players. Recognize other players. Real recognizes real. I'm sure there are guys that caught your eye. Well, oh, yeah. Guys on the, yeah. yeah. So who are some of the guys you noticed while you were there? Yeah, uh, I I didn't. I, I always got to see uh, uh, Ebo on film, you know what I'm saying, uh, from Tennessee State, you know what I'm saying, just to see him in person, just to see him playing with him, you know what I'm saying, to know when we were learning from each other, you know what I'm saying, a couple edge guys, just Jonathan Peterson, you know what I'm saying, I always got to see him through we always used to have the top numbers in FCS and sacks and stuff just to be around him and see what kind of guy he is. That was that was kind of he, he stuck out to me. San Diego? Huh? Yeah, San Diego State, yep. Yeah, yeah you, no, you both. Not the State, here's just San Diego, USC. Not, not FCS, not the FCS State. He went, he went to USC. That's where Harbaugh used to coach, here's in San Diego. And uh, uh, Josh Johnson. Those are the Toreros, not the Aztecs. He went to USC. Okay. Yeah, so it was it was uh it was kinda cool, you know what I'm saying? They were they, were, they, they stuck out to me just certain things they did, you know what I'm saying? And just to see uh Martez Carter come out there and do what he huh? does no matter where we playing at, you know what I'm saying? That's don't just having another swag guy out there 
and we we set the tone. But we went out there. We set the tone for when we, we was talking just before we went out there. It was like this is like none of I mean, it's the same thing. You know what I'm saying it's just like we go out there playing swag school. It don't matter who on the field. The job got to get done. That's what we took to take that attitude out there with us. Well, it's interesting because now that you mention it, all the swag, in fact, all the HBCU guys uh, had a good week of practice out of the NFLPA and, and looked pretty good in the game. Yeah, but I mean, it goes to show, like, it don't matter that, it don't matter where you play football, it, it comes to it. That size, that size only helps you to, to get to so far, you know what I'm saying? Once you get to a certain spot, that size can't keep speaking for you, you know what I'm saying? Now you got to do something. You, know what you can't just keep being big and being good. No. It don't matter. Don't matter where you are. You know what I'm saying. After that size is gonna run out. That talent got to start showing at some point. You know what I'm saying. And that talent, that hard work is gonna start outshining that talent at some point. So, I mean, people who keep relying on that size, and that's why it's kind of a blessing that I didn't get blessed with the size because I feel like that's where I got that heart of a lion from and just that attitude. Because. Now I know I have no I, – I never have a right to get cocky. I just got to keep working. I got to put my hard hat on every day just because I got to want it that much more than the next guy. I got to be that much more better than the next guy just to get a fair chance at what he got. Now, when we get on even playing fields, it's different because after we don't say even playing fields, it's, that side got him to hear. You know what I'm saying? Now he got to outplay me. It's not a lot of people that's going to outwork me. So that's, that's where we all got that mindset coming out of FCS schools. It's just like – uh, y'all got here. Now y'all got our players. Now y'all got our workers. And the work we had to put in is twice as hard as what y'all got to put in. So the fact that we here on the same stage, now it's time for me to, to step on the Tigers' neck. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So interesting, you know, that some of the things that you're saying are things that I hear from guys, obviously, who who've had to work a little harder or do a little bit more to prove themselves. So you think if you'd been, you know, if you look like Miles Garrett, if you were six foot, you know, five and a quarter and 271 pounds or whatever, you think you might not have been driven the way you were driven? I mean, it, I can't tell you because I'm not six five. But if I had the same, if I had Miles Garrett body with this, with with this attitude I got right now, Miles Garrett would be irrelevant because I would have been a number one pick last year. It's just that's, that's the kind of attitude I got. Like it's. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what drives them, you know what I'm saying, but I, I don't know what drives them, but I know what drives me, and that's just I got to go out and prove my, I got to play with a chip that's bigger than another. Right. Well, I, yeah, that's that's good stuff. <laughs> that's good stuff. I like it. I like it. So, so I'm going to check to see if Kofi has a couple more questions before I hit you with my last one. Okay. Any questions, Kofi? Hey, Aaron. So I'm still here. Um, so where are you um, working out for, uh, in preparation of the pro day, and where would the pro day be? Uh, I'm working out in Columbus here in my hometown, and uh, pro day going to be in Baton Rouge or something on, March, on April okay. 4th. Oh, April 4th. Okay. That's pretty good. So you can – Still got a little bit of month of, uh month away, huh? Uh, what have you been working on specifically uh, with coaches? Any uh, what coaches have you been working with as well, or trainers have you been working with? Uh, I'm really right now. I'm just working with um, my my trainer I've been working with since high school. 
uh, Milan Smith, and I've been working with the Olympian uh, Butch Reynolds for my 40. And uh, I'm going to get into a facility, uh, D1 Sports, uh, this next week. I mean, this week coming up, just to just to get on the field and do some some cleaning up drills. But that's really what all I've been focusing on is my my 40, just trying to get that time down. And we do all the other stuff where we make time for it. But we spend a lot of time in the 40, and uh, I always hit the weights hard. So that the 225 is is when we prepare for. It. So it's just work every day, two times a day, sometimes three. We'll be in the pool. Uh, just You never know what the resume is going to I mean, the resume is going to be. I just show up and get it done. So what, what do you think is your best position at the next level? You said what position I'm going to play? Yeah, what, what do you think? Where do you think he's a good fit? Good team, scheme-wise, and, yeah, position. Uh, I think I fit in good with the Steelers in the three four, and that that outside backer, or you know, what I'm saying with the Patriots, they run the same scheme. They they basically run the same scheme. Um, just that outside backer position, the floater. You know, what I'm saying I can blitz from the middle or stay on the edge. You know, what I'm saying sometimes you can put the hand down. Just then, this certain team, the Patriots and Steelers stick off the page with me just because they. They the ones who got them eleven hat to the ball type defenses, and it's just everybody out there. It look like they having fun, you know what I'm saying? And the Patriots is just like a no name defense that you just you're going to get your opportunity. Is what you do with your opportunity defense, and and I feel like I can fit in the scheme. Just a hard work, uh, hard hat to work every day type guy. You know what I'm saying? You got you got a little James at Harrison the, in you. I can see that. <laughs> at, at the NFLPA, um, you, did you have any interviews with any uh, NFL people? Yeah, I talked to um, I talked to the coach, the uh, the Raiders, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Packers, and that's it. But I talked to two teams. I talked to to the the Seahawks and the Colts. They talked about playing pullback, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Just, uh, did you act did you ask them why? That's interesting. Well, I mean it's I'm sure it's because of my size. But okay. I never okay. I, I I'm not gonna question them, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you gotta get your foot in the door before you start questioning them. I'm just that type of guy you can put me if you want me to punch the ball I'll learn how to punt it, you know what I'm saying? I'm here to help the team with Good, good, good stuff. Uh, who um, were your former teammates that uh, went on to the next league or in the league now? And have they given you? And what advice have they given you? Um, we got Lenore Tillery, Arthur Miley, uh, Willie Quinn, Mike Jones. Uh, me, Arthur Tillery, me, Arthur, and Lenore got the same agent. Um, and they just really just. Say don't try try not try not to let this process stress you out and just just have fun with it and just 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 continue to be you and grind every day and you get your opportunity no matter how it comes and uh, that's really about from when I got there from my four years that's that's the only ones who made it to the next level. Okay. All right. I know um you got a teammate of 
that you played with Danny Johnson plays corner. That's is that correct? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Are are you and him pretty close? Oh yeah, that's 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 my brother. We'd probably be in each other's weddings. So you know what I'm saying? we we uh we we still talk every day. You know what I'm saying? Me uh, us five seniors who 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 leaving together. Uh, we talk every day. It's just when we walked down there as as freshmen, we left with the with the same dream. And, we done had the same dream since high school. And the fact that we're close now, you know what I'm saying? Blood wouldn't make us no closer. That's how close we are. Cause we just spend all that time together in the same foxhole. And we on a football. Football ain't got nothing to do with our relationship no more. So. Well, that's that's good to hear from me, for me because I actually try to reach out to the uh, sports information director to set up an interview like we're doing with you, with Danny. So if you don't mind, Tell Danny how this interview was, and tell him we would love to have him on the show as soon as he's available. Okay, yeah, I could do that. You know what I'm saying? But he's getting ready for the combine now. So I don't know if he has some time to, you know, say he probably he definitely has some time probably later in the next week, well, whenever he's done with the combine. And then, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely refer. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you being on. Uh, thanks again for your time on a Saturday, and, uh, Again, man, as far as uh, professionalism, maturity, uh, tough mindset, you know that uh, the old saying, tough times don't last, tough people do, uh, you are definitely a tough guy. And uh, I'm real excited to uh, follow your career and your journey uh, on the next level, man. Uh, Bill, I'm, I've exhausted all my questions. This gentleman has been very, very uh, patient and very cooperative. I think you passed the test answered all Bill's questions. Uh and so man, you I guess we give him a, man. He's done well. I appreciate it. Yes, he doesn't care what grade we give him. He cares about the grades that the people are about to send out the contract given. And that's that's what counts. So this is where and this is where we we get to. I think it's funny, I hear people talk about fullback and I mean Kyle Wilbur and um and uh, Bruce Miller these are guys who were terrific defensive players. And I truly believe that if somebody had the right vision, you know, wasn't so concerned about arm length and height, whatever it is, these guys would have had fairly long and successful careers. Now, you might have had to use them in a specific way on defense, as maybe just third down pass rushers or, you know, as said. It was, we just talked about James Harrison, right? Undrafted free agent, a Mac guy, right? Played his played his college ball not too far from where you grew up, uh, Kent State. Mm-hmm. Uh, five ten and a half, right? How many five ten and a half outside linebackers? Now we've had five ten linebackers, London Fletcher and Sam Mills wasn't even that five nine, who've been successful. Zach Thomas was five ten and three quarters, but those are all inside guys, you know. So there's been a pretty good tradition to some extent of the the, the short, powerful Mike backer. But that's not what Harrison is. I just pointed out, you know, he's a pass rusher and right? a guy that occasionally even drops and, of course, famously, you know, intercepts the ball in the Super Bowl uh, in the end zone that flips the game, a 14-point turnaround, right, in, in Super Bowl 39? I think um, the years are going by faster and faster. But, um, you know, if he – if that ball completed for a touchdown – that's like this fourteen point point difference. That that Arizona wins that game. Here's a guy that 
anybody could have had, right? Anybody could have had James Harrison. Anybody. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like James Harrison was the guy that everybody was all hot and bothered about. Oh, got to have James Harrison. Nope. Undersized, yeah, quick, but not terribly fast. Now, weight room. I mean, I don't know what it is that James Harris eats, why it is he does what he does, but pound for pound, he may be the strongest man ever to suit up in the league. The things he's done in the weight are ridiculous. You know, he's a darn near, I think he might be right at 500 or close to 500 in, in bench. Uh, he's power clean 408, I think. He's Squatted 705 pounds. He squats 550 for reps. I mean, he just does crazy things in the way. And once again, you know, there's no way of measuring how bad a guy may want something. James Harrison wanted to be a great football player, worse than anybody I've seen in a long time. And I remember him. I mean, I was, you know, watching the Mac a lot in those days. And... I mean, I couldn't help but notice them, and I kept thinking, well, where are they going to play him? And I was afraid somebody was going to make him into a fullback, try to make him into a fullback. That was what my fear was, that some uncreative mind was going to say, well, he's only he's a great little football player, but he's only 5'10", his arms aren't all that long, we'll make him into a fullback. You know, I was like, oh, please don't let that happen. And then he went undrafted, and I was like, well, maybe it's a good thing, you know, because <laughs> you know, now he can choose the right situation for himself. And that's what I try to tell him, guys. It, it, it's kind of a soul-crushing thing a little bit when you don't get drafted. But the silver lining is now you're picking the team, not the team picking you. Now you get to look at the roster. You get to look at the situation, the scheme, how stable is the staff, all those things you want to consider, almost like when you're being recruited out of, out of high school. Now you're assessing the situation as opposed to going wherever it is you're picked. So I'm going to say that you are going to go to a team that doesn't foolishly try to make you into a fullback. Um, <laughs> I mean, no offense to the teams that want to make you into a fullback, but I've seen your tape. It would be a waste to play you at fullback. Not that you couldn't do it. I'm sure you would do it. I'm sure you'd go out there and, you know, run into Mike linebackers and guards and give them give them what for and occasionally on a, you know, uh, get a little pass flipped out to you on a little angle route. You were, when was the you ran a pass route, if you don't want me asking, Aaron? He said, what did you say? When was the last time you ran a pass route? How long ago was the last time you actually ran a pass route? Way the game? In practice, even. I don't care. It was like well, in, in practice, they had, we, I had a fullback package at Southern. Well, the last game, I, I had a fullback package. But the, the last time I actually ran a route and caught a pass was my senior year of high school when I played running back and fullback. Okay. So, Okay. So, yeah, I'm sure you could do it. I have no doubt in my mind. But I've seen you play. I've seen you play. So, this, it, once again, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I am on this one. I feel fairly confident that your best position is, as you said, three, four outside linebacker. Oh, yeah. And, no, no, no doubt. And I think somebody will be smart enough to do that. And they'll be very pleasantly, I think, surprised with what you do. I think that within a couple of years, there'll be a guy who's putting up, you know, six and a half sacks and be close to the team lead in tackles. I think there'll be a guy that gets your hands on balls in the basket game when they do ask you to drop. 
I think you do some of everything well. And the things you don't do well, I think you're going to work on. I think you work really hard on the things you don't do well. That's the thing that's going to survive because it's cutthroat. I'm sure you've been told that already. Oh, really? It's cutthroat. The guys who are getting cut, they're guys who can play. They're not guys who can't play. (laughs) By the time you get to the NFL, everybody's good. They're all good. They're all big. They're all strong. They're all fast. There are no guys who suck. It's the NFL. You're right. 1,560. Do you know what that number is? People in the league. 53 times 32, exactly. And they don't empty the league out every year, right? So that's not the number of jobs that are available. There's only a turnover about, during the point of the year, between about 12 and 17% of those guys. It's like like 200, 200, 200, 300 jobs. That's correct. Look at you, knowing, knowing your stuff. On average, it's like 220 on average over the past 10 years is what the turnover has been on average for, for the past 10 years, about 228 jobs. That's not a lot. <laughs> That's not a lot. Yes, I got to have one of them. Yes, exactly. You're about to join one of the most exclusive fraternities on the planet Earth. Do you realize that if you took all the guys who ever played in the history of the game, Here's a crazy stat. So from 1927, yeah, uh, so 91 years, the 91 years of NFL football, if you took all the guys who've ever played in the history of the league, if you filled every one of the 32 stadiums to capacity, you would, there'd be all the guys who've played in the history of the league and still have a little bit of room left over. That's how few guys get to play in this league ever. That if you filled every theme to capacity with every guy who's ever played in the history of the game, you would still have a little bit of room left after you filled every stadium. In the, in the, like you'd still have a little bit of room left. You wouldn't. You, so that's how few guys get to play. Now that's not every guy who's ever been on a roster. I mean, every guy, I'm talking about the guys who actually gotten onto the field in the history of the game. Yeah, yeah. That few guys. It's that few guys. You realize it's under a million people have ever played in the league in its history, ever, in 1927. Think of what a rare thing it is to play in the NFL. That less than a million guys have done it in 90 years. How crazy. (laughs) How crazy is that? So that's why I know you're going to fight like heck. That's why I know when some somebody foolishly forgets their helmet and they need to throw somebody else in there and it's a position you've never played before on punt coverage, you're going to be fine. You're going to run out there because you've been watching like a hawk waiting for some stupid fool to not have his helmet ready So because you're going to have your helmet on standing by the coach just in case. You're that You yeah, already know. Well, I'll go out there and do anything. Right, because if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Uh, I've been ready. <laughs> I'm always so, ready right now. So when somebody pulls a hamstring, when somebody, like I said, doesn't have their helmet ready, when somebody forgets something, when somebody comes passed out, comes out for some reason, you know, has to throw up. That happens sometimes. Whatever it is, and they're looking for somebody, you'll be you'll be running out there till they pull. Unless they pull you off, you're gonna run out into that position, whatever position it is, because you're gonna get yeah. more reps. You're gonna find a way to steal some reps, because reps come hard. That's the main issue. Why, why do guys not make it? 
you don't get reps. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Some guy they drafted or some guy they thought they liked better is getting all the reps. While you, who's going to blow their minds if you get a chance, isn't getting a chance. So you're going to steal reps. It takes somebody being late, right? Somebody, yeah, somebody's going to forget their helmet, put their helmet, put it, and the special coach is looking around, already out there, like, oh, okay, well, let's see what he does. Because, <laughs> you know, time's of the essence. NFL practices, has anyone told you how quickly they move in NFL practices before? I ain't never got this experience, but I ain't heard about it. It's no joke, man. They, they, they've got a certain amount of – it's in the contract, right? It's not like college where, I mean, they give you guidelines. But the NFL, the NFL PA starts – you get fined if your practices go too long. So you got to get everything done with a certain amount of time. you got two hours here, you got two and a half hours there, you got half an hour for this. So everything's moving as fast as humanly possible. You can't ever not be ready. That's how you get cut. Not knowing your playbook. That's how you get cut, Right? Not being accountable. Not it's, it's not physical talent. Everybody's got that. It's the NFL. Nobody who's even here doesn't have the talent. Everybody you're going to see from the moment you get off that whatever form of transportation it is that gets you to, you know, to camp. Everybody's got the talent. So you've got to beat out all these people with all this talent who are more well known and the staff is. You know, more for me with them and all this stuff. They don't know your name. They're calling you by whatever number you're wearing, but you got to just make a play. Somebody's got to go. You got to pick out a victim when you get there. I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm sorry. Somebody pick someone out. That guy. This guy's gonna be my victim today. I'm sorry, whoever you are. Today you are my victim. You already know. <laughs> so that's how it's got to be. There's only a handful of jobs in the whole league, and you've got to have one of them. That means that. Somebody's not getting it. You've got to have a little bit of a little bit of the assassin, a little bit of the cold heart, you know, at least for that. You know, hopefully not in life, but for that, you got to be a little bit cold-hearted, a little bit, a little bit cold-blooded, a little bit. You know, if it's you or me, it's got to be me, not you. And I think Absolutely. you got a little bit in you. Absolutely right, bro. So when they bring you back to Southern, right? You've, had, you've gotten a couple of years in the league. You've found a home. You've gone from being a special teams guy to a rotational guy to finally three years in, you've got your starter. Your third year, you're a starter, which is perfect because your rookie deal is going to be coming up in, in the next year. So it's perfect timing, right? You, you become a starter just in time for your rookie deal to run out. Uh-huh. You come to the and you're talking to the guys about, what you went through, what it's like, what it takes. And you're showing guys some of your things, some of your plays, what you did. If you had to show a game to a bunch of young cats to let them know, here's what it takes. Here's what you've got to do. You want to, you want to be where I'm going? You want to do what I'm doing? Here's how you have to play. What's the game that shows them what it takes to be an NFL guy? Well, first, I show them every game I played against the FBS team. You know what I'm saying? Because after my sophomore year, every game I played against the FBS team, I had a, I had either two sacks or one sack and probably eight or nine tackles. I showed them all that. And then a the game I showed them that still got the most would be uh, Prairie View my junior year when I had uh, 15 tackles, four and a half mm-hmm. tackles for loss, four sacks, and a touchdown. 
Good choice. That game was silly. I think you were the Onadon Sports Network player, defensive player of the week. I think Fox Tarot made you defensive player of the week. I think I think about three different or four different organizations made you defensive player of the week that week, if memory shows me correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was right. silliness. I just um I if you want it, it's yours to take. If you want somebody else to have it, it's yours to give them. That's a great explanation. That's a great choice. I I was a fan of yours before we ever had this conversation, but now, yes. I mean, I truly believe. I I think nothing short of your body failing would keep you from making it. I think that's the only thing that could stop you. It would take some sort of catastrophic injury, and I'm you know uh, I'm praying that that will never be something you'll face. I think you've got everything else. I I think you've got the talent. Uh, I hope people can see past, you know, whatever limitations. Now, what are some of the things you – I know you think you, you know, obviously you get in the weight room. What do you think you're going to do? Um, and what what do you think you're going to weigh also? What do you – because I don't know if you're trying to get lighter or heavier. What do you plan – when you get to your pro day, what what will you look like? Um, I'll be around – I'm going to be lighter just around my 40s. So, I'll be around okay. 240. I'll, I'll, I'll bounce from – 250 because on the diet I'm on that make me lose weight, but I gain it back with my protein and stuff. So I bounce from about 250 to 255. So really in that last two weeks, I'm going to get down to about 240, and then I'm going to probably bulk up to like 245. And I'm just trying to get – I'm just trying to uh, try get that 46. It'll be love. Um, I'm going to okay. get the two. Huh? Okay. okay, if you run the 46s, I'll open some eyes. Uh, how many bench reps do you think you'll be able to knock out? Um, I, I I think I'm getting no less than 33. Ooh. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, 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 I know I can wild in there. So I just, I know I, I'm not worried about the bench press. I just, if I can get that four, get under that four six, I'll be good. Okay. And what do you think you might do in the vertical? Uh, I jump out. I buy jump out. Thirty four, thirty five. Really? Okay. Yeah. Impressive. Um, how do you feel about your short shuttle and three cone? Well, my three cone, I'll probably run around. And, yeah, I can get under the. I just ran. I just ran a three cone and a six nine. And, oh. Uh, yeah, I just ran a three cone, six nine, and a shuttle. And yeah, I ran a four, four, four. I got to get that down. But I just don't. I gotta work. I haven't worked on. We we haven't. We ain't really got to that part that phase yet. We can really take them one by one. So once I get to that that uh, short shuttle, get that down. I'm trying to get down to about four two ish, four three ish. Uh, I can get that there. My 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 uh, three cone. I always been good at that because it's it's like turning the edge, like wrapping the edge. So it's easy. So I can. I think I got that in. Mm-hmm. One last question: What do you think you might do, at least on that, with the physical stuff? What about broad? What do you think you might do in your broad? Uh, broad. Last time I jumped abroad, I jumped out uh, like around like a nine eighty. I think I probably think I probably get to around around ten feet, a little bit over that. Nine eight is fine. Well, I'll tell you this much. 
if you hit all those numbers or come close even to most of those numbers, yeah, you'll that might put you from being a guy that goes from being an undrafted free agent uh, to, to a guy that's drafted somewhere day three. And then my, you know, my, uh, I guess my final thing, or uh, I'll leave you with, I think that, like I said, you have the components, the, you know, the things that we, we look for uh, in guys that, like I said, that fight their way in, right? Because that's what you're going to do. You have to fight your way in. Push mm-hmm. your way in. You're not going to be invited you know, there's not going to be a door swinging wide open. You already know that. I, I can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're going to get anybody that just knocks the door down. You know, <laughs> I think that's what you're about to go do. <laughs> uh, it has been a real pleasure getting a chance to know you, Aaron. I appreciate you having me, man. You're going to get an email, and it'll be a follow-up email. Has a list of questions. Uh, so please respond to each one of those, and then also when you send your responses back. Send a photograph, which we can use in a profile we're building out. Uh, you'll have a full article in Nuts and Bolts Sports, and then a, a, a reduced, uh, redacted version of the same thing will appear on a list of players uh, in the NFL Draft Bible dealing with you know, guys that have that opportunity to, to surprise people, whatever term you want to use. It has really been a, pre- a pleasure and honor and a privilege I look very much forward to what the next phase of your life and career brings you, and I, I have very little, doubt, very little doubt that you will succeed. Appreciate it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Tiller, defensive end slash outside linebacker, Southern University, Columbus, Ohio native, a football hotbed, and Southern, also a football hotbed. Uh, and please do let uh, Mr. Footman and let Mr. Johnson know. We would love to speak with them, uh, fans of all three of you. And like I said, I look very much forward to seeing what the future brings for you. I appreciate you, man. Oh, thank you. Hey, Aaron, thanks so a lot, man. I right, appreciate it. Well, let me just first of all thank you, Kofi, for your hard work in pulling this one together. This, I think, was one of our best. I think this is a really good a talented bunch, and I think good things are coming. We'll do this again in one week.